And welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. This is going to be a weird one. Uh, normally we talk about horror movies, but um, this time we're going to talk about our favorite steak sauce. And this is what happens when you let Jason pick the topic. So uh, I'll get started. Um, I really like A1 steak sauce uh, way more than when I was a kid. You know, it's really rich and salty. What are you but doing? <laughs> I mean... You said that we were going to talk about I, A1 steak sauce. You never read what we type A. 27, you got one letter and then just decided the rest of it on your own. You must have been hungry at the time. I, uh, <laughs> I guess I read that wrong. Yeah. So. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. It goes on my notes for this episode. Um, okay, well, let's go, to the, let's go to the theme real quick so I can do some rewrites. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Shit! I wasn't done updating my notes. I'll I'll make this work. Okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast, the horror movie podcast that needs a longer theme song. <laughs> I am your host, Insane Mike, and luckily I can think on my feet, so I think I'll be able to pull this off here uh-huh. um, based on my notes. So this episode we'll be talking about the rich and flavor of um, a twenty-seven, a twenty-seven studios. A one A twenty seven studios brand what? A twenty four. A Studios is a brand of is a brand of steak sauce produced by Kraft Foods. It's and, it's not that at all. Oh. A A twenty four is an American independent entertainment company founded two thousand twelve by Daniel Katz, David Finkel, and John Hodges, and it's based in New York City. And they specialize in film distribution and film and TV production. Way different than steak sauce. Oh, well, I know that. I know that. I just, I'm trying to adapt Uh, my notes uh and make them work for um, a doing good. Keep going. Okay. Well, moving forward, um, I hope you all saved room for dessert because our network is called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. And we have a full buffet to fill up your plate <laughs> with such shows as Horrorcast, The Bloody Hook Podcast, The Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie, Land of the Creeps, Midnight Snacks, All About Movie, Story By Dot 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 Podcast, My Bleeding Ears, and The Atomic Weight of Cheese. Now, I, I just listened today to the newest episode of My Bleeding Ears, um, and it was awesome. They talked about um, Brawl and Cell Block 99, so... Um, it, uh-huh. I would recommend checking it out. Yeah, it was a good, good one. Yeah, it's a couple. You know, my billion years. It's a couple from Chicago, and they they talk about horror, sci-fi, action, all around cult films and stuff. So you can check out that show and many others on the pfpn.com. So that's, that's right. what. That's right. Yeah, the pfpn.com. T h e p f p n dot. C-O-M. So our special tonight is Attack of the Killer <laughs> Podcast. It's slightly grilled with four friends who all love horror movies, served with a side of one certain topic, and the crew discusses films within that topic. 
We talk freely, so there may be spoilers, but the meat is not spoiled. And you can always enhance your flavor with a splash of A1. <laughs> You're really doing good, buddy. Ooh. I mean A24. Much like the delicious, tangy taste of A24 films, um, if you like that, you will also love our Patreon. There are lots and lots of extra content. If you become one of our Patreon supporters, you'll get such stuff as bonus episodes, special videos, you can get a t-shirt, commentary episodes, shout-outs on the show, and Insane Mike's one-minute top ten lists. And much, much more. So, if you go to patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P, check out, check it out, find what level best suits you, and then, you know, pick that level. So to become a Patreon supporter, do it today. And you can do it by going to patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P. Do it! And now, before we get into the show proper, it's time to introduce you all to the podcast crew. He ordered his steak from a cow with no front legs because he wanted lean beef. Jason Bollinger, everybody! Oh my god. <laughs> really thinking on your feet with these, buddy. Okay. Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening. He ordered a steak at a restaurant in Russia. The steak came from Moscow. Tad Good. I'm so confused. <laughs> it was hard writing jokes for this episode because steak jokes are rare. Derek Eulen. Oh, God. Thanks for having me. When eating... Oh, shit, that's right. I totally forgot. This episode's about A24 Studios, not A1 Steak Sauce, right? Yeah. Okay, so when eat, I mean, when watching the movie Tusk, uh, he found out that the cow... I mean, the director smoked marijuana, uh, so he didn't finish eating. I mean, watching, because the stakes are so high. Blake Howsworth. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm trying my best You're, to replace all my steak references with, it, buddy. with A24. It. It's working. It's totally working. No one notices. Nope. His wife asked, how would you like your The Witch Cooked? And he said, on the stove, Andrew Wassum. Thanks. <laughs> and lastly, he ate a Wookiee st- Wookie steak. He didn't like it because he thought it was a little chewy. Aaron Reese. Hello, you, sir, are a prince among men. Thank you. I've, this has been a pleasure. Are you leaving? No, I'm just... I'm, that bad? I'm I can't really leave, you can't myself. Oh. <laughs> See what you've done, Mike? Can I, can I leave? No. Is no. that an option? Can I leave? No. <laughs> Derek knows this is the type of entertainment I prefer. <laughs> so, yeah, Tad, you can't leave because I'm turning it over to you now. Alright, well we're going to go into what we watched. I don't think I need to explain this segment. 
we just go around and talk about what we watch. So I'm going to kick off with Andrew first. Andrew, what did you watch? I uh, watched a lot of things, actually. Um, I'll just fire off my list here. I watched uh, Blood Rage, which was originally nice. titled Slasher. Uh, the the Todd and Terry uh, twin murders. Uh, I re- I really liked it. Uh, basically, it's just uh, the the twin makes it out of well, the actual innocent twin makes it out of the. Should I should I say give spoilers or you do what you want, buddy? Yeah, it's cool. All right, all right. Uh, the one one of the twins makes it out of. Uh, the uh, the insane asylum, and he's actually what? the innocent one. And he's got to stop stop his yeah yeah. He gets he gets framed like you know for a murder back in '74 at this drive-in, and I really like the beginning because I I like the aesthetic of like all those uh, the nostalgia of the old school drive-in, and they they did that really well. I also watched Red Christmas from 2016. Oh, oh I want to see that one. Yeah, hey, did you like it? Uh, I, I I really did, and uh, oh. there's uh, there's a kid with uh, that's an actor in it. Well, of course, uh, <laughs> and he has he has uh, Down syndrome, but he actually he he's an amazing actor. Actually, he does a very very good job. I was very very impressed. Sure, with him. sure. And I binged Ash versus Evil Dead season three because that's Ooh. what I do. I love that freaking show, and I'm gonna miss it very yeah. very much. Uh, just last night, uh, like I said, I've been kind of been running the gauntlet with a lot of the uh, old school cult films. I watched Street Trash from '87. Sweet, I love Street Trash. And I didn't know, I did not know that James Lorenz uh, of Frankenhooker fame was yep. actually in it. He play, plays the doorman. Yep. And I love, I love the bit at the end with uh, uh, the. the uh, the O2 tank just tears the guy's whole freaking torso off. It was great, and uh, I love I love the uh, the Blu-ray that I got with it because it actually gives me stickers to make my own little bottles of <laughs> uh-huh. of Tenafly Viper. Yeah. I can make you know. I so. got those too. Yeah, that that uh, was but, that was during an era too of like a lot of cross pollination amongst like genre. Um, uh, New York uh, filmmakers and, and and independent New York filmmakers, because like the the guy who plays um, the mayor from Toxic Avenger, he's in Street Trash too, and he's he's got one of my favorite disgusting scenes in the movie. There's a sequel, huh? There's a sequel I don't, I don't to what? Street, Street Trash too. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. I know that the Blu-ray is much cheaper than trying to get the VHS. Like it's <laughs> ridiculously high. And uh, one of the last things I wanted to touch on, and it's from the MVD Rewind Collection. I watched, and I, I saw it. I must have seen it like fifty, sixty times when I was a kid because I absolutely loved it. Because I was in love with Heather, Heather Locklear, and that's the Return of Swamp Thing. Oh, sweet! When you get that new disc, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. It's actually the 30th anniversary special collector's edition. It's got it's a Blu-ray, a DVD combo, and it's got all these bells and whistles on it. And I I really really like it. Uh, but I did you know a little bit of research on it. And Jim Wynorski of you know he he directed it, and I lo- I'm a big fan of 
shopping mall. Me too. The ha- haunting of Morella, not of this earth, sorority house massacre. And I love, like, he has got so many surnames because he's actually directed a shitload of films. Yeah. And I thought I a few of them down. H.R. Blueberry, Harold Blueberry, Sam Pepperman, Jay Andrews, Arch Stanton, and Tom Papatopoulos. <laughs> and some of his 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 skin flicks have the best freaking titles. I absolutely love these. Uh, the House on Hooter Hill, <laughs> The Witches of Breastwick, <laughs> and my personal favorite, The Hills Have Thighs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and Heather Locklear uh, trying to look tough while she's like you know firing a sawed off shotgun behind that jeep is just the most. It's even more unbelievable her being a cop on TJ Hooker, but uh, <laughs> I still—it's still one of my favorites uh, from '89 uh, and when I was a kid. So yeah, that's what I watched. Well, and all the creature—it's so sad that all the creature effects in that movie, in a in a low-budget Jim Warnowski movie, look better than the Wes Craven, the the big-budget oh, yeah. studio Wes Craven movie. And it held up. Watching it again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I dug. I dug like the. Um, they had like all sorts of uh, creature experiments aside, aside from Swamp Thing. You know, they had like mm-hmm. the elephant guy and yeah. uh, the the guy that looked like a cricket, I suppose. And actually, one of the um, one of the henchmen in the movie, his name is I believe they 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 call him Gun, which you know that's that's actually uh, um, Katie Seagal's brother. Oh, nice. From, you know. Yeah, and Monique Gabriel of you know Bachelor Party and the Emmanuel yeah. films. If, yeah, uh, I just uh, you know I you don't pick these things out when uh, you're a kid. Yeah, but I mean they all had like really silly names like Poinsetta. Her name was Poinsetta. <laughs> and oh yeah, I forgot to mention that the uh, Sarah Douglas from Superman Two was actually one of the scientists uh, really? in this film. Oh, yeah. nice! It's been so, so long. Got, I don't remember. Yeah, she got out of that flying square and got a degree in like you know, you know, <laughs> biochemical engineering or something. I don't know. If if but, you're a Wynorski fan, have you ever seen uh, the documentary Papatopoulos? No, I have not. Oh, you should check it I, out. And they sounds they, like yeah, I'm gonna write write that down. Yeah, you totally need to to track it down and watch it. It uh, they they show. When they're making the documentary, it's around the time he was making the breasts of um, the the witches of Breastwick, and they so it's, there's a lot of behind the scenes of making that of making that film going on. So oh, nice, yeah. All right, well, is that everything you watch? Yes, that is. That's everything I got written down. So aside from the assigned films, so. All right, well, Blake, what did you watch? Uh. I had uh, watched all four previous films in one sitting about a week and a half ago, so I was sitting around work this weekend and trying to think of things to watch, and I got to the movie Dead Night. Um, I don't know if anyone's heard of this. It came out last year. It's got Barbara Crampton in it. It's uh, oh, kind nice. of a, it's a story of, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it or not, but it's it's interesting nonetheless, but it's a... Uh, basically a story of two different perspectives on this woman that basically goes crazy and acts everybody to death and there's the media side of it and then there's what really happened so without giving anything away 
it's it's worth I suppose just checking out for the heck of it to see what you think of it. But it's something that kind of came out of nowhere, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to watch and see what happens. Um, another film, a couple that I've seen many of times was I watched Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Which Sweet. is always a favorite. I've always enjoyed that film. The uh, the American yeah. film or the original BBC miniseries? No, the the um, the the film, the newer film cool, with okay. uh, Mar- Martin Freeman in it. Um, and then something I hadn't seen for a while is Be Kind Rewind with Jack Black and Moss Def. Maybe mm-hmm. because Moss Def was in Guardians mm-hmm. uh, with uh, you know um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Maybe I made the connection and wanted to watch both of them. Um. And I'm just going to do the last one because there was other ones, but the last one wasn't really. I got on YouTube, and I found um, a Jason Goes to Hell kind of um, sit down discussion, and it was basically kind of a prequel to what they're going to do for the documentary that's coming out for the Jason Goes to Hell documentary. And uh, they basically sat hmm. down with Adam Marcus and went through all these things, and it was just intriguing for like two hours listening to this. Like it was just. All the crazy stuff, and he, he said a lot of it's going to be, you know, in the new the new documentary that comes out later this year, perhaps or maybe next. But it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, I was just I've been in a documentary mode. Like I watched the Jim Henson documentary, and oh, uh, I didn't want to see that. Nice. I've just been watching different documentaries on YouTube just because you're just you know you're you're, you're searching around and something pops up and you're like I you know what I want to go down the Muppet Lane. And let's find out what happened. But, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I had some good flicks. It, it was fun. See, I thought you were going to say, or I hoped you were going to say that you're on YouTube reporting all those Jason Goes to Hell videos so people didn't have to watch them and get <laughs> oh. it off the Internet. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, I, I have very mixed feelings about that film. I, I think, I don't know, it's weird when you take away Jason who he is. But what's interesting about this documentary was because of digital effects and things that just were not there at the time, he wanted, I guess Adam was saying, he wanted Jason's mask to kind of partially pop out of the victim's face as if Jason's soul was trying to escape the bodies that he consumed. It was really intriguing listening to it. I was like, okay, that could have been intriguing because you would have had seen that mask throughout the movie. I don't know. That, I don't know if that'd make it any freaking. That probably piss me off even more. <laughs> it's it's a tough thing to do because I remember him. He was saying he talked to Sean S. Sean Cunningham or whatever, and saying that he wanted to not see the mask anymore because I don't think Sean wanted to be connected. That he didn't want to always be connected to Friday the Thirteenth, no matter how hard he tried. That's you know who's attached to Friday the Thirteenth and a producer's you know point of view on that. And I think when he talked to to uh, um, Adam Marcus about this was I don't I want to see Jason blow up I want to you know I don't want the mask to be there you could show it later on and you know they both agreed to do something different and I mean I will say this as much as we all love Friday the 13th the stories are very weak they're very they're not connected half the time and this was an intriguing story nonetheless and it actually had a lot of story to it yeah so whether it was good or not, it did have a pretty good amount of story. So it's I don't know. It's a tough it's a tough uh, discussion on that. It really is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a pretty good story. You know, any story is a pretty good story when you steal from Halloween, uh, The oh, Hidden. Yeah. <laughs> um, you young bucks seem to be more forgiving of it. I don't know. 
I guess. I I always liked it because uh, my brother rented it on his birthday when it came on pay-per-view, and it had a lot of nudity and gore, and I was okay with that. So, <laughs> I well, I um, I can appreciate moments of it, and and actually, when Justin and I were hanging out over the weekend. Uh, we we talked about the franchise a lot because um, um, he kept putting in DVDs while we were editing, and he put in um, Takes Manhattan just to try to piss me off. Mm-hmm. So and good. I I told him I'm like, you know, Jason Takes Manhattan is towards the bottom for me, but it's not the bottom. You know, I can still watch it and appreciate Takes Manhattan, and there's mo and there's moments of Jason Goes to Hell that I can still appreciate too. It's still got I think one of the coolest gory death scenes of all time when that steak goes through the girl and rips her in oh, half. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. freaking awesome. I like the final scene once Jason comes back and that fight at the end with the dagger and like, you know, and and you know, say what you will, you know, the super geek in me has to have a special place in my heart for Jason goes to hell for um the fan fiction of it coexisting in the uh Evil Dead universe. You yeah. know, so okay. you know, so those things I appreciate. I think the opening scene, other than the fact that that's the like wonder towel from hell. Um, <laughs> besides that, it's a cool opening scene. You know, I just remember first time ever watching the movie, and when they blow them up, when the SWAT team shows up and blows them up, I'm like, well, yeah. How come nobody's tried? Why haven't they done this before? <laughs> it <laughs> makes sense. Should have done that from the get go. You know. Yeah. The FBI was busy. They but, didn't have time. But well, then. But the then way, when the coroner eats the heart, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm already done. Why well, does I mean, he eat I, the heart? He's possessed to do it. <sighs> I think, and this is something that popped up in the documentary was he had the idea, and and this is this is how much stuff was cut, uh, and I don't know if it was filmed either way, but Jason was to have a brother, and that brother, I guess, tries to. He would be the one playing the doctor, I guess, trying to get the heart out of Jason. And he wanted to have the power that Jason got because he was always more loved by his mother. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff like this that you're like, what? Like, it's insane. But apparently that's how the movie actually starts after he gets blown up. The brother takes the body and does all these things. And it's it's really wacky situation. And they, I guess, they even go into talking about how part eight is not even part of the series. So they kind of jump around it where I think it starts where he actually comes out of the lake from when he was chained up in part seven. Like it's, Mm. it's really different than what we saw. So it's, it's definitely a, it's, it's a nice listen to of just two guys talking about the movie. You might've convinced me to like this doc. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I th- I, I'll, I'd be willing to listen to it. I mean, we, we've come this far. I mean, even, even by the second movie, I mean, this kid can't even fucking swim, and now he can hop a plane and go kill Alice as to where the hell ever she is. Or, yeah, or I'll never understand bus. that. That is such you know, a bad situation. So, I mean, if if you can if you can do that and then keep going, I mean, it's like, oh shit! I mean, the the floodgates of bullshit are open for me at this point. I mean, hell, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I kind of think that uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, almost like a, I mean, and he was new. He was like 24 when I think he directed this. This was his, like, yep. one of his oh, first films, if I'm correct. And yep. it, it's definitely sort of like a, 
a college experiment in like filmmaking almost. Like it's it's really intriguing kind of what they did. And this was actually from what I from what I understand what they've talked about, this was the first DVD release to have two separate releases for like an uncut and they purposely did that to sell more to sell more product. Yeah. They purposely cut things out just to push it over to make people buy the movie twice. Yeah. So they sold four copies instead of two. Okay. Basically. Um, <laughs> I've got one. Tad's got one. <laughs> yeah, this podcast is responsible for the uh, all four copies. So. <laughs> That's right. Well, on that direct, the director, he had another movie that came that was released right around the same time. My boyfriend's back. Has anybody ever seen that? Yep. Yeah, I have. Yep. I remember the trailer. That yeah. was talked about in the documentary too. A lot of different things because Disney's the one that made that, which was really weird. Hmm. I think I'm being and it more. Was supposed to be something, it was something. It was supposed to be something completely different, I guess. And they wanted to make sure to remove most of the zombie stuff out. And it, it actually had apparently the tone was about the AIDS epidemic, and that was the underlining tone. As for zombies, they were like AIDS. They would come back after getting AIDS, and their family wouldn't recognize them and wanted to you know stay away from them. And it was a weird you know this connection between the two. Hmm. Okay. Pretty PC for Disney there. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Mike, what did you watch? Um, speaking of documentaries, I watched Greetings from Tromaville. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't even realize it was out. I knew it had been in no, the works for a that? long time. What's that? Where'd you see that? It's uh, free on Amazon. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um... And it came out apparently uh, 2017. So, um, and Greetings from Tromaville uh, is the history. It's the history of Troma Entertainment and Lloyd Kaufman. It really goes through a lot, mostly of Lloyd Kaufman's um, film career. Um, it has, and I'm I'm kind of mixed on it. I'm kind of mixed on it. I'm you know being a Troma fan, I appreciated appreciated it and still enjoyed myself with the documentary. But if I wanted to get nitpicky, like the production quality is of standards of like a trauma film acquisition and not a good acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I may be feeling a little harsh towards this project considering, you know, what I've been working on editing wise for the past, past few weeks, um, project that I'm working on, um, where, you know, it's real professional uh, interviews and stuff like that. And this has got, like, Lloyd talking. Um, basically, you know, uh, Lloyd is a talking head through the whole film, explaining the whole history of trauma. And it's never the same environment. Like, at one point, he apparently is at some festival or something somewhere, and, and that's part of it where he's talking about you know the early 80s part of trauma and you know and there's a there's a moment where he's in his office and he's talking about it. so it's it's really inconsistent and the audio it gets pretty bad uh it's got a lot of really bad audio and some some bad video too uh, there's a lot of interviews in it which you know is really cool with people who have worked with trauma over the years but again like it's no real effort of like contacting these people Make an appointment, sit down in a controlled environment, and shoot something decent. This is, you know, you, 
it's got Debbie Rashawn in it, and she's interviewed, but it's all done over the phone. Mm. Yeah. Whoa. And, yeah, exactly. You got Trent Haga, and it looks Ooh. like he recorded his own interview on his shitty laptop camera. So it probably was an acquisition some people made. and What's that? I mean, you sure it wasn't? An acquisition, you know, like just a separate company made this dock, and it, it, it's, it's uh, my understanding, it's a separate company that made this dock. Yeah. You know, I mean, it doesn't have the big old Troma logo at the beginning of it when it played, but so I mean, you're saying they didn't get Billy Bob Thornton to talk about Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town? No, or Kevin Costner to talk about Sizzle Beach USA. <laughs> I was pissed, but uh, being a tra- being a Troma fan, I, I feel like um, I. I didn't get a ton of new information, so if you're if you're a big fan like me that has bought all of Lloyd's books, has listened to every commentary track, has watched all of his um, making ofs, you probably have already heard a lot of this stuff. Um, um, especially at the time period during the Troma comeback era, which started with Tromeo and Juliet, you know, because that, that, during that era is when they were really getting way more into the behind-the-scenes things, with every film having a making of um, as a special feature on the, on the DVD. Um, so I feel like in the early days of Troma, I got maybe a little more out of it. Um, and it was cool because there were some great interviews with the actors who played like Cigar Face, Bozo, Melvin, um, you know, those guys from the original Toxic Avenger. So that was cool, <clears throat> getting to see them, what, they, what they're like now, what they look like nowadays, and their experiences with working with Troma back then. You know, I, you know, you hear a lot about people's experiences of working with Troma nowadays or over the past, you know, 10 to 20 years. But you don't get a lot of, like, feedback based on those earlier years. So, so I, I enjoyed that. Um, but I also feel like there's there was a ton of his the movie's like two hours long, <clears throat> and I feel oh. like they left out a ton of history. Oh like there was no talk about Toxic Crusaders. I would really like to learn a lot more about that. How do you take like this like R-rated, you know, comedy slash horror slash superhero film and turn it into children's entertainment? Um, I had all the toys, like, like <laughs> RoboCop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sure, they talk about filming in Japan for Toxic Adventure Part 2, but they didn't really talk about how that came about, you know, which I kind of already know the history about that. Like, you know, like the earlier trauma films were huge in Japan, so they managed to get um, some Japanese investors, but they didn't really talk about that. They just really talked about experiences of shooting in Japan. Um, um, they didn't talk about the California office, how that came about, and why did it fail. Uh, they don't talk about like how Lloyd Kaufman is friends with Stan Lee, and how he managed to get a Toxic Avenger comic book produced by Marvel. Um, but I, at the end of it, I, I still think it's worth a watch if you are a Troma fan because there is some some cool stuff in it. Um, it's one of my favorite moments is they talk a lot about some of the more popular acquisitions, like Death by Temptation, Cannibal the Musical, Redneck Zombies, and so that that moment's pretty cool. Um, but for me, my favorite part, the whole, made the whole thing worth it is seeing, is seeing a clip from the Academy Awards, uh, the year that, uh, the director of Rocky gave his acceptance speech, and I think it's probably the only time in history, in the history of the Academy Awards, that you're ever going to hear Lloyd Kaufman's name mentioned while on stage at the Academy Awards, because 
Lloyd Kaufman worked on Rocky, and um, and the director um, had him included in his acceptance speech as a special thanks. So, mm-hmm. you know, I about shit my pants sitting there watching it and hearing Lloyd Kaufman's name mentioned around all these like rich and famous celebrities at the Academy Awards. So, but that's what I watched. Excellent. Well, I guess I will go with Aaron. What did you watch? Hello, yes. Uh, uh, this week I watched uh, The Lure, which is a, uh, what, 2016 uh, Polish musical about uh, mermaids. Killer mermaids. Killer mermaids. Um, Good night, Mommy. Uh, Brides of Dracula uh, and Derek and I may go into greater detail on those uh, on another occasion Um, I watched uh, 1984 film Secret Honor um, by Robert Altman uh, starring Philip Baker Hall as Nixon in the last days of his presidency where he was just drinking heavily and yelling at uh, the pictures on the walls uh, it's a it's a tour de force by uh, Philip Baker Hall. Uh, I don't know, not not Robert Altman's best. Uh, I think it was a, originally a stage play. Um, it was an interesting watch, but I don't know if it was a must watch. Um, I watched a. I've been on I've been on this uh, Fassbender kick, uh, and so. I, uh, the, the the German director, not the excellent actor, but uh, Rainier Werner Fassbender. And so I watched a movie called Fox and His Friends. Um, Isn't that I, the show Trump watches every morning? Yes, it is. Well, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Well, it was a double feature with, uh, with Secret Honor, right? So <laughs> there was a theme. Yeah. <laughs> The news that he'd get out of it would be about as you know substantial. Yeah, that. Well, this this had a slightly different tent. This this <laughs> the director play uh, who who was uh, I believe bisexual playing a, a homosexual in uh, nineteen uh, what is it nineteen seventies or late nineteen seventies or early nineteen eighties uh, Berlin who wins the lottery and then all these people take advantage of him and. I don't know. It was an interesting watch, but uh, the one that my, the one that's most on point for this podcast is I uh, actually rewatched First Reform now that it's out on Woo. DVD. This is an A twenty four film uh, directed by written and directed by Paul Schrader, the uh, director of Taxi Driver, the not director but the writer of Taxi Driver and uh, Raging Bull and uh, writer director of Hardcore amongst others. Uh, Ethan Hawke is a uh, priest. Um, and Amanda Seafried is one of his parishioners. Uh, I've, I really enjoyed this film. Loved it. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Other people have seen it? I have. Yeah, I would highly recommend this. It falls right in line with a lot of the A24 pickups. It's uh, it was it was excellent. It, uh, I mean, it takes its time. It's claustrophobic. I would. It was haunting. Uh, it uses a lot of horror elements to tell tell the story. 
uh, what's the name of this film again? Uh, First Reformed. Okay. And it builds slowly uh, to in- an amazing ending, like a lot of A24 films. Yes. All right. Well, I guess, who do we have left? Jason, what did you watch? Okay, well, I was gearing up for the last episode that I kind of missed. I watched the original Piranha. You know, some yeah. John Sayles goodness. You fuckers. Who? Shut up. And <laughs> it was good. It's, it's maybe even better than I remembered it. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Um, There's a reason why that one seems to rise above the other, like, Jaws ripoff movies. Yeah. And stands on its own two fins, I guess. Oh, my God. Moving on. (laughs) And then um, a a buddy of mine uh, was on another podcast a year or two ago, uh, and they talked about Samurai Cup. So (laughs) I watched Samurai Cup. Wait, what, what, did you, what, did I you watch? The track, so I knew it. <laughs> call you out. It's the only way I could. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one though. That is a yeah. good riff tracks. It is. I didn't. I didn't finish watching it, but I started um, last night since I had like a hairline fracture of free time. I started watching a little bit of the Grizzly riff tracks. You son of a bitch. And just a little hey, bit. Yeah. I'm waiting for you. You had your but, turn. Okay, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen the Stone Cold one, so oh. <laughs> Amazon Prime is primed with riff tracks. It's so awesome. But yeah, Mike was on that podcast a while ago. Was it Badass Booze and Body Count, or was yep, it Badass okay. Booze and Body Count? Yeah. And he talked a lot about it. We listened to it the other day. Oh, did you? And it got me. Well, when we were on that car trip. Oh, that's I mean, right. it's been yeah, a little while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then I hung out with Tad the other day and watched Summer of '84. Fucking awesome. I in just, the theater. Yeah. I just listened to that. that episode today of the movie crypt with those with those yeah. directors, man. Oh, I gotta watch RGSS. it. Uh-huh. I thought about having that as my movie for this episode, um, Summer of eighty four, but I knew it would be on your list, so I watched the greetings from Troma film instead. Oh. Well you made the wrong choice, so I sure did. <laughs> um speaking of documentaries, I watched Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm. Oh, Damn, it's it's good. excellent. So good. Good. God, I gotta watch that too. Did you Here's cry? Your, of course. It's yeah. on the. We got it. Yeah, I know. It's, okay. I saw it on there. I was tempted. Um, so good. It was maybe different than I thought. The trailer makes me cry. Oh, of course, course I'm going to cry at this yeah. movie. Um, but it was fantastic. Recommend it. And then on Shutter, I watched Take Shelter. Yes. Oh, it yeah. Was fucking awesome. Oh, that's yeah. a great movie. I kind of thought it felt a 24e you know it was just this mm-hmm. slow like what, what's going on build yeah. it's a and brooding I, film and i'm unsure i'm not unsure i'm unsure how i feel about the ending mm-hmm. that they went there i you know i don't want to spoil it but mm-hmm. i i was i was gonna be okay that they didn't and then the last second they did i'm like well shit Mm-hmm. Because then it happened where he wasn't ready. Anyway, so moving on, and then <laughs> it's it's a type of film where Michael Shannon is the leading man. Mm-hmm. God, he was and scared. I'll watch I'll watch anything with him in it though. Fuck yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I love that guy. Absolutely, so good. And then uh, lastly, uh, just the other night, I watched it's on HBO the documentary called Spielberg. 
Yeah. It is. I've wanted to watch that for a while. It's good. It's like two hours, it's three two, hours long, two something hours, like that. At least two hours, and it's fucking awesome because yeah, it's great. You finally get to hear him talk about shit. I mean, on and all of it. Cool. I mean, they they Does started he talk to, about poltergeist. Yes, they talk. They start at the beginning, and they go. They don't. He doesn't come out and it's, is it say like, he stole it. But he it like the Palma, where it's just yeah, him just literally one. going through everything from beginning to end. But then they also put, you know. Real life in there too, oh, and a little jumping around, but it's it's freaking great. And they in a lot of interviews with a lot of the actors, the the A list guys. That's oh, been so in it's not movies. just him. Okay, no. Nope. But uh, I mean, if you like movies, you, you got to see it because it's I've so just, good. It's I'm just sitting here thinking that this is just an awesome day and age of like all these documentaries about films. You know, can't have Amen, enough of those. Man. Well, that's what I watched. Excellent. And, um, Derek, we didn't forget about you. What did you watch? All right, well, I have watched a lot lately, but the one that I'm going to focus on, um, I I went to Netflix specifically to try and find something that I could bitch about on this episode. because <laughs> Sounds like you. You know, yeah, because uh, A24 episode, it's going to be pretty weird. Derek episode because I'm going to be gushing a lot so I picked out the movie Terrorizer oh. on Netflix you didn't like and it. I was like or, or, or Terrifier Terrifier. Sorry, not Terrifier Terrifier and I was like okay here we go shitty killer clown movie this will be right up my alley and <laughs> much to my chagrin I fucking love this movie <laughs> Awesome. Holy crap. The look of the clown was very unnerving and unsettling. Um, if you like gore, this movie's got it for you. And Whoa. everything is done in practical effect. There is not an mm-hmm. ounce of CGI in it. Love it. Uh, yeah, there's... Uh, oh, there's... There's a hacksaw scene with a, with a naked lady that is... It's brutal. Um, and it looks like this is possibly the second in a series, so I'm hoping that the next one, I'm hoping that they'll keep it going after watching this. It It vaguely reminds me of 100 Tears. Have you guys ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. About Killer Clown? Yeah. That that was a good movie. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to watch it. It actually has an NC-17 rating, I believe. Ooh. I know it was put out Rob Galuzzo from the Shockwaves podcast and on the Epic Pictures label that did the To Hell and Back uh, documentary about Kane, same label mm-hmm. cool well this oh I loved this movie I, I did what's it um, called again? Terrifier it's got the, what, the, the pale face clown where he's got the black hat or something yeah, mm-hmm. like white, white and black oh, face. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Okay. And I, I remembered like seeing this on the shelves at like the bottom shelf, you know, where Walmart sticks all the shitty asylum movies and everything when they first come out. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember seeing this, but it wasn't that this one. It was one called uh, All ha- All Hallows Eve, but it's the same clown. 
and same director and everything, and it came out like four years before this one. So I'm going to have mm. to go back and find that one as well because, yeah, I loved it, loved it, loved it. If that's the same, if All Hallows Eve is the same one I'm thinking of, that was a Halloween Palooza submission a couple of years ago. I've got that DVD around here somewhere. Is it? But I don't did, remember did it, it being. Did it come a, in like a full case? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got like a blacked out background with the white face of the clown. It's got to be different then, because I don't remember anything about a clown. Oh yeah, yeah. This one is uh, definitely all centered around that. Okay. Yeah, it's different then. It's got. All right. Well, uh, somebody asked me what I watched. Ted, what did you watch? Well, I got to watch some movies with friends <laughs> this week. I watched Summer of '84 with Jason. Yay! And uh, I—that was like the fifth and sixth time I've seen it. So, uh, you know, it still holds up when you watch it. You know, every day for a week. And I watched something. I'm surprised that Blake didn't bring up. We watched Upgrade. Which oh, is a yes. movie. Yes, that movie was great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I don't know. Have you guys seen Upgrade? Anybody else? No. I uh, want to see it so bad. I, I saw the trailer for it yeah. and it looks awesome. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, good. I uh, see it. Without spoiling too much, it's uh, very much like dude gets an upgrade to his body, you know, set in the future, and it's sort of an AI type chip in his body, and uh, chaos ensues as his body body sort of uh, turns into a killing machine and let's see I also watched I, I'm sort of going through all the movies that are featured at Halloween Horror Nights this year so last <laughs> night I watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space Yay. yes yeah. I've seen countless times but they're doing a scare zone based on it so I'm refreshing myself oh uh, is it goody yeah that movie is uh, so damn fun but stupid but fun stupid yeah uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you can't try to make any sense of some of the, you know, the. I mean, they're from outer space, so I guess that's all the excuse you need. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But it's it's a hell of a lot of fun. I remember showing this to my wife for the first time, and she was like, "What in the hell is this?" And now it's like <laughs> one of her favorites. So oh, that's, that's cool. that was fun revisiting that. Uh, yeah, Danielle still hates it. I showed yeah? it to her. Is yeah, she, <laughs> she just creeped out by the clowns or what i think she's just creeped out by the clowns um but to me i think it's a great it, you can either sit down and watch it or you can like put it in and like like do stuff around the house that you need to do and then you just like randomly stand there and look at the tv for five minutes and then just smile and then just keep on doing what you're doing it's yeah. one of those it's kind of one of those kind of movies it's like a white noise that you can enjoy while you know you're doing tedious shit you don't want to do anyway yeah, that's what I sort of was doing last night. Um, me and some, my wife and some a friend, we were watching it, and uh, I was actually folding some laundry and replying to some emails and stuff. And I've seen it enough times that yeah, I don't need to sit and pay attention to it. But uh, it's it's a blast. I will say uh, my pick for the week would definitely be Upgrade, though. If you guys need to check that out, so that's what I watched this week. Cool. Yay! Awesome. So, yeah, we should probably get into tonight's topic, right? Yeah, I probably should. Yeah. <laughs> so, this was your suggestion, Jason. So, And I know you are a big fan of the studio now. So, 
just so to start us off, my my question is to you: what, like, what makes A twenty four stand out as a studio for you? Well, I mean, and and it's and we're just talking about their horror films, but they have a yeah. lot of great not horror films too. But uh, w- speaking about the horror films, I I mean, there's a and it's a general statement, but there's an aesthetic about these films that they're they're slow burns, they're kind of art house picks, and 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 can be somewhat simple as hell. But I I love them because with for me to to be a slow burn movie, which which I've been the last few years. I've been increasingly loving slower movies. And that wasn't always the case, but I don't know if it's the older I'm getting or what. I can just appreciate it and stand it better. I enjoy the awkwardness sometimes. All the time, really. But, uh, so, I, I'm, I, I love the slow burns with a lot of these films. And But what makes, to me, what makes a movie that's a slow burn movie good is like, it has to have a good story, but it also its cinematography is normally above par on a lot of these, and and that's been a a thing for me. It's it's one of my favorite parts of film is the cinematography, and so even though it's slow, even though it's kind of weird, it it holds my attention because the cinematographies in a lot of these are pretty fucking awesome, and then. Yeah, and so they're notoriously kind of slow, kind of weird, and they kind of build, and they have some pretty fucked up endings. I don't know. It's it's it, <laughs> and and I like it because it's an independent studio, and they're they're putting money into these art films, these not mainstream films. Like this is our. Uh, new focus features you know this is our i don't know those are the things i like wake up <laughs> i see you over there anybody else want to add to that or what um a24 means to you i sort of just see it when i when i uh see they've posted a trailer or anything i just know that i chances are i'll probably enjoy what they're doing they it's like they're a studio that you know knows my taste and picks out regardless of what genre it is they're going to pick out something i like for some reason it's just clicks whether it's an action or horror or documentary or anything that they do uh i seemed they have they have the perfect track record so far i can't recall seeing an a24 movie that i didn't enjoy so yeah they they tend with uh the material that they get they they it's uh particularly in in the films that we watched like uh un- under under the skin and uh the, i believe the witch uh they they kind of they make me want to watch you know cuz you don't particularly know exactly what's going on so it 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 kind of forces me as a viewer to pay more attention yeah you know it's it's a film that you 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 watch, you know, where not distracted you know, like, by explosions and fast yeah. cars and 
exactly, exactly. You're it, it 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 has a way of forcing you to be invested because you want to know what's going on because there's this uh, the the you you already know what the tone is and you, there's there's something not right, but yet you know you're not there's not there's most for the most part there's not a lot of hack and slash going on early on. So, I mean, it draws me in as, as a viewer, and it forces me to watch it, but, you know, makes me lean in my seat towards the screen a little bit. Totally. And, and, it, and it makes me, it, 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 it kind of, you know, it absorbs me as, as a viewer, you know, it makes me want to watch. You know, because, I mean, I, some of you guys may know this, like, you know, you talk about your slow burns, one of my favorite horror movies of all time is the original Wicker Man from 73. And that and to me that's a slow burn movie. And you know, not definitely not the remake. Uh, the that's the most that's the greatest unintentional comedy of all time. Not the bees. Not the bees. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, yeah, that's that's my two cents. It I mean, it makes me want to watch which, you know, that's what we're here for. <laughs> it's interesting that you bring up the Wicker Man because I think I can kind of see similarities between the Wicker Man and and what A twenty four is doing. Because you know, for me, I'm not the biggest fan of slow burns, um, but I think there's enough weirdness going on in in some of these A twenty four films that I continue to stay invested. And you know, if you could be weird, then that always piques my interest. But and and. Wicker Man definitely has a lot of that too. So it's goddamn yeah, musical. Goat, goats and bunny masks and ugh. yeah. So yeah. Anybody else? I was I, gonna just comment on it comes at night, and I know a lot of people love this movie. I'm not really sure what I expected from that film, and I watched it, and I just kind of I don't know. I, I just was bored the whole time, and even at the end, I was like, well, all right, I get what they were trying to do, but I don't know if that's what I wanted, which, you know, you can't expect, you know, maybe I expected too much, and maybe that was one of those things in the media, they played it up so much, where they're like, this movie is amazing, I'm like, okay, I can't wait, and I'm like, nothing really happens, like, a, not a lot, at least, I mean, it so comes at night. Hey, I, I completely... <laughs> What were you expecting? It comes at night, man. I completely I agree with you. <laughs> I, com- I completely agree with you on that one. I was pretty Sometimes bored. Sometimes right after oh, lunch, if you're lucky. It's true. <laughs> you got to get those five minutes in. I loved right. it. I was on the edge of my seat the whole movie. Jason came that night. Joel Edgerton. <laughs> Ew. Um, okay. Well, I guess another good question then would be, what's your favorite? Oh, that's not a good question. That's a great Jesus. question. <laughs> so we'll just go down the line here. And <laughs> gotta look at a list real quick. Hold on. <laughs> and even if you don't pick I horror, I know, I'm okay. If you don't, if, even if you don't pick a horror film, I'm okay with that. So, um, our see. favorite from the list, or just an A24 film in general? From the studio in general, yes. Okay. Uh, so, Tad, do you have a fave? Don't start with me. Move on. <laughs> All right, uh, Andrew, do you have a fave? Well, um, I don't know if I can't really pick a fave. Uh, I think I'll just pick a favorite from this list that you gave me. Oh, okay. Uh, I will. I I gotta say that I really loved 
the monster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's... It obviously draws its inspiration from Cujo, if you ask me. Um, but what I what I saw from the t- the tone of this film, what I really liked about this is that, to me, in the weirdest sort of way, this monster is actually a protagonist. If you look, if you look at it from a certain point of view. This monster actually scares the real monster away, and that is the mother's addictions and her inability to get her shit together and actually be there for her daughter. The real monster, to me, is the addiction and the you know it, her hitting her daughter and just being neglectful, and it's hard for this this little girl to actually be the adult in the situation. Yeah. So, you know, in a, yeah, in a weird way, the, it's, this movie act, I mean, obviously it is a monster and it's, and it's there, there to kill him. But the, to me, the most harmful monster, you know, for this, you know, up until this point in this girl's whole life is her mother and her, and her inability to be an adult. And to me, that's the real true subtext of the story, and I freaking loved that. Mm-hmm. And I love the thing. I love the. I love the part that the monster is actually part Mogwai because it's afraid of lights. <laughs> <laughs> that's your connection. Uh, uh, so, some of these scenes, the 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 flashback scenes, are great, and this little girl is just so fed up with her mother's shit. She's holding the knife to her. I mean, yeah, oh, that, that is was that is stro- strong shit, scene. man. Oh, oh yes, and uh, that that is so great because you know that scene has happened in a broken home. You know that as a mother has just screamed "fuck you" to a you know oh, God. six to seven year old girl out in public, probably you know, and it's just like, oh my God, you know, this is this is these are scenes from you know down a street for you know just coming from a broken home, and I I absolutely I mean. I absolutely love this movie because the the monster is like a great family counselor. You know, <laughs> she, uh, it turns. It, I mean, it actually it forces the parent to instead of being a thirty something adolescent to you know to actually step up and be the mother that you know she can truly be. Uh, I I absolutely uh, I really really liked it. I just, I can't say enough. I mean, it's uh, if my girl, my girlfriend, if she would have watched it, she would have been in tears because she cries at the end of Marvel movies. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with that? Hey, yeah. it was sad, dude. It was sad. I, and, and she did, but she, I mean, she cried at the end of Logan. I think she cried, almost cried at the end of Deadpool too. But she fought that. Um. Uh, I mean, some some of the jump scares in it were very great. When the when the monster yanks the mother through the freaking yeah. window, holy yeah. shit! Uh, but I think the the real story is the mending of a too little, too late relationship between a mother and daughter. I mean, 
I think it tries to say that the past is the past, and truly the only thing that we can do is move forward with our effort and attitude in the present moment. And I wrote that down because I can't think that quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's that that would be that would be my favorite. And I love the simplicity of it. Just uh it's a road. I mean, granted, you know, the car wrecks probably cost a little bit, but I mean a fairly just it's a very lean uh, movie. And plus I yeah. And uh plus as long as it rained, I think there should be like, you know, seven and a half inches of rain on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Um but yeah, that's that's my two cents, uh, and that's my perspective on my favorite of the bunch. I really enjoyed the monster. Well, we can t- we can continue to discuss it since it was one on the list, and and I agree with you. Out of the ones that we watched for this episode, it's my favorite as well. Um, I've always been a fan of storylines that are single locations, minimal cast, and. When I hear that as the premise, you know, two people trapped in a car with a monster out there, I'm like, all right, let's see if you could pull this off. Let's see if you could keep me interested with that simple of a premise for an hour and a half, two hours. And it, and it does. It really keeps, it, um, really uh, kept me involved and intrigued and, and, and freaking love it. Oh, it's just so cool. Um, I, I like, as far as the monster goes, I like how we'd never get like a full look at the monster like a full scale of what the monster looks like the practical monster and the fact that it's a practical monster is also awesome uh and you don't you don't really need it i don't think no uh i mean you need the monster of course but you don't need like this full you know you know big vision of it no no i mean yeah except in it's not really about the monster and and I guess, like, I mean, it's on a level. It's 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 more of a, uh, you know, it's it's a not of nature type of creature, at least nature that we know. So showing it more could take a, maybe take away some more of the reality of the situation that that they're in too. But yeah, the flashbacks are are great, just heartbreaking and intense. And I just like, I think the, the cast is great. The, that little girl, that is little girl's so freaking amazing. She can act her ass off. Yeah. But I like how I, cause I'm sitting there through the first half of the movie up, up until they get stranded doing the math in my head. It's like, how old is this mother? This looks like a big sister compared to like a mother. That's right? what I thought. And so I'm doing That's the math. It's like, I'm guessing I, I'm building my own, bio of this character just with what i'm given and the fact that she herself looks so young has to be you know early 20s and so i'm thinking like she's had her when she's like 15 16 because at one time i think they mentioned the, the daughter's age at one point so i'm like seriously sitting there doing math and uh you know, wow, this movie got you to do math? hate doing math. Oh, um, math is fun. So, but, uh, um, and, and and that's the thing, too. I'm just like, you know, the mother is at the worst age to be a mother. Like, in your early 20s like that is such a selfish age, you know. Um, yeah, but it makes sense because, I mean, if she's a damaged person, it's yeah. very hard for a damaged person to raise a child. 
No, absolutely, know? absolutely, and, that's, and it makes sense for the character. Oh, it totally makes sense. It all makes sense, and which is why, like the it's for me, the movie is all about the mother's arc, and and how you could show me such a shitty mother and a shitty person uh, in that first half, and then make me care about her too. I think is impressive, impressive as well. A testimony to the actress and the writing. And and I really just followed her arc, and you can just like pinpoint that those moments there, just right off the bat. Like the, I'm wait just waiting for one little morsel of this mom really giving a shit, or not necessarily. Because yeah. even in the beginning, I'm like I could still tell this mother gives a sh- gives a, gives a shit, you know? Because you could just it's all in her face on the idea of like shipping off her daughter to to the father is is like breaking is like breaking her heart but she's not going to tell her daughter that well that's the only good thing she's got in her life man exactly <laughs> that little girl yeah that's true and so that so that mo- and i'm just waiting for that moment for the mother to like i guess prove her prove her love to the daughter so that's that first moment with the car accident and the mo- and the mother's bleeding from the head and her first concern is the safety of her daughter i'm like okay here we go yeah. here we go so yeah, it's and they they mentioned about you know there's 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 some monsters that we can see and that we and that we can't see and those mm-hmm. those monsters that we can't see are obviously this mother's demons and her you know it's and it's her struggle to you know raise this you know her daughter in a healthy environment. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The metaphor the metaphors aren't subtle. <laughs> no, should have been called the metaphor. So. <laughs> Anybody else? I was surprised to hear that you guys picked this one as your favorite because it's probably my least favorite on the list. Whoa. Really? Um, I and that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying there's nothing bad about it. Uh, I enjoyed <laughs> it. That's a testament to this episode in A24 because it's like picking um, your least favorite pizza. You know, it's like everything. It's still pizza. Yeah, it's still that's fucking right. pizza, and it's still miles better than most of the stuff we watch for this podcast in general that's right mike <laughs> what so, uh, don't don't push this on anybody in particular i'm just saying that <laughs> as far as this list goes and it and it's right up there i mean it's it's it was hard to say this was my least favorite but it's maybe the simple storyline to me was i mean it was not very um a24 to me i sort of like the mind fuckery of some of the other ones and i'm not and definitely with like life after bath i mean that one was even maybe even more simple and and in an overdone not overdone but um more typical of a movie where a24 Whoa. is sort of known more for you know what we watched in under the skin where you finish the movie and you're like what the fuck did i just watch uh, based on what you just said there i've got a completely different impression of life after bath than you do We'll we'll get into that. Well, I'm not saying, and, and yeah, I won't go. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But what I'm basically what I'm saying is, out of a twenty-four, I, I sort of like to be left stuff left to be open for interpretation or something that I've never seen before out of a twenty-four. <coughs> and I'm not saying I've seen this design or I've seen this kind of movie. And I really like is it Zoe Kazan or Kazan, the lead actress in this. Kazan. She's, uh, I've seen her in several other 
independent films, and she's fantastic because she can play just about anything. And this is the first time I've really seen her play like a, a damaged character. Everything else, she's sort of been more um, peppy and smiley because she's you know very pretty, you know, young girl. But in this, she plays sort of the mom you want to hate. And uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this movie, and it's that's a great thing to say that this is my least favorite because it was it was just so damn good. But like I said, out of all of them, it just um, it didn't make me think. And I with this podcast with with this episode and A twenty four ones, I just sort of like I was in this mood to watch movies that had me really thinking. So, but don't want to harp on the bad of it. It was really good. And this was the only one I hadn't seen prior to recording, so it was the only oh, new one. Nice. Have you well, seen since it? we're on it, do we just want to make this our discussion part on the movie? Oh, yeah, that, that's uh-huh. kind of where we've drifted to. Yeah. Um, I I love this movie. I watched it for the first time, oh, probably a year and a half ago, and then within a couple months' time, I had watched it three four or five times. Wow. Um, I, I really enjoyed the effect of the monster. Um, and then, yeah, there's the, there's the dichotomy between the actual monster outside the car and the monster that's inside the car with them. And, uh, no, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun. Um, not a ton of gore, but when the gore was there, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess thumbs up for me. Yeah. Jason, had you seen it before we started doing this episode, Mike? No, I have not. I didn't think I know you've been on me for a long time to see this one and not that I didn't believe you, you know, because you never believe me. You never, that's not something. I believe you all the time. Follow it up. I don't believe you that I that See? You, exactly. you say I don't believe you, because um, you sold me on it. You sold me on it when you gave me the premise. The simple. Yeah, because I dig that dig that shit. It's just I just never got around to it. So that's why when you came up with this, that that was the first one that sprung to my mind. It's like this is going on the list because I now I have to watch it. Yeah. So no, I I love it. It was the. It's the first movie Tina and I watched on our first little date. It was pretty. That's good. That's good. And 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 she's like, "Well, at least I'm not that bad a mom." But, uh, no, but yeah, no, I love it. Same, all the same reasons. Super, super simple premise. You know, it's cool that the premise, that the setting is simple, but they, the, all the flashbacks tell the story. And fill it in and give you insight, get you out of that rain for a fucking second. Mm. And practical monster, super freaking cool. Um, yeah, I all, all the way around. I I loved it. All right, I'll step in and add some drama to this. This was my first time watching the monster. Uh, yeah, no, overall, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed like the first hour of the movie. Uh, I've been enjoying your guys' uh, take on the movie, and uh, you know, perhaps I need to to, to redo this. Um, but by the 
you know, the, the last third, the third act or whatever, I was kind of on the monster side. I, <laughs> I was, I, I didn't find the, uh, Zoe Kazan's, uh, character redeemable. Uh, and I kind of just wanted her to die in the most painful way possible <laughs> at the end of it. Um, God damn, man, you're sounding like ouch. me here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. No, it's a gorgeous movie. Cinematography's great. I also really enjoyed The Practical Monster. Um, I did grow up in the middle of nowhere, uh, Derek will tell you, and um, I know it's just for the cinematography, but I couldn't help but wonder why in the middle of nowhere there's four streetlights. Um, it's not a big deal. Sorry, being a well, dick. Well, uh, well, we all... We all live in Iowa. Like, yes. if it's a paved road, there's going to be more cars. You know? yeah, sure. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, this is too nice of a road for there not to ever be any traffic on it. It needs to be like a, a gross, dirty dirt road. Mm-hmm. It needed yeah. to be on gravel. Exactly. Yeah. I love seeing uh, Aaron Douglas, uh, who, who uh, he was the... Um, mechanic that came out there i don't know did okay. anybody else watch better better star Battlestar galactica yeah no huh. just me okay yeah. chief 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 tyrell or whatever yeah um but uh yeah no i like this i just you just want yeah, them all to die this, that's cool <laughs> not real cool aaron yeah i know well, if we're gonna, I have a question. Just <laughs> I liked this, but fuck all the characters. Not all the characters. <laughs> you like the There's monster. There's only two. You like the monster. <laughs> oh, okay, the monster. How hard? How hard do you have to hit a wolf in order to crack an axle? Yeah. I Just, mean, we're we're talking about a you know a large dog, but it cracked <laughs> the axle. That's the one what thing I was just like, holy shit. I'm yeah. guessing that car probably had some problems it's, long yeah, before that. It was probably about ready to break it anyway. Yeah, you saw its owner. Well, if we want to go, what? if if we want to go tar what? dark about you know the mom being so despicable, like I think maybe I enjoyed it on a certain level of with what I do for a living is I see people like this every single day, and so now I was it was cathartic for me because I want to see all of them go through the exact same thing, where <laughs> they like. You know, in such a horrible situation that they smart up. They finally come around. They finally come around to be a decent person, but then Still die, die anyway. Still die. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate. Give them, give them the sense of appreciating life instead of pissing it away. Right before you take that life away from them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You like this? Well, too fucking bad. So in a way, it was a happy ending for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Has everybody got a chance to? We have so many people on. I don't I know. know who spoke. I uh, I was gonna say, just to go backtrack. My two favorite A twenty four films, um, probably are Green Room and The Lobster. Oh yes. shit! I forgot about Green Room. Yeah. Green not, Room is probably one of my favorites too. Beyond, yeah. My, yeah. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> on my runner the, up. <clears throat> Probably one of the best thrillers within the past ten years, man. Okay. Yeah, oh, it is a good. It is. it is a really good horror movie. Yes. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. My, I, if we're, if we're listening back to listing our favorite A24, I thought of my um, 
Ooh. three right right after you called on me. But uh, <laughs> Green Room's definitely runner-up, and my top two, I guess. My favorite is absolutely Swiss Army Man. I fucking love Fuck that movie. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. Shit, That's I forgot about that one. It makes me so fucking happy watching it. Like, <laughs> right? It's one of those movies that... Um, my mom could be murdered in front of me, but if you play it, I'd, <laughs> I'd be like, it's, everything's okay. It just fixes that. <laughs> and uh, my, my, I'd say my second favorite would be Spring Breakers because I fucking love that movie too. Yeah, that's true. It's a good flick. You, you ranted about how much you hate it, so don't tell oh, me. Oh, I, I, I did, but I've watched it again, and it, was, it wasn't too bad that second time. I'm, guess, I'm guessing by the rest of the silence... Not a lot of Spring Breaker fans in here, but... I still haven't seen, I haven't it. seen it yet. Well, wow. I, I was wondering really? how, how stoned was Harmony Corinne when he made it. <laughs> well, he wouldn't probably film it if he wasn't stoned. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a big Gummo fan, actually. Yeah. You guys ever see that? I mean, I, I dug Gummo. Yeah. Uh, kids doesn't really count. He may have wrote it, but, he, but that's, a Larry, that's technically a Larry Clark film. Yeah. But man, yeah, I, I saw Spring Breakers in theaters. I saw Swiss Army Man in theaters. I didn't get to see Green uh, Green Room in theaters, but I loved it. But there, there's such a huge list. A24, I just kept going down. I'm like, oh, they did that, they did that, they did that. But yeah. something about Swiss Army Man just um, brings me childlike joy that Hell I don't yeah. get in a lot of stuff. It's just, oh man, Paul Dano is fucking great in everything he does. Uh, yep. I'm an unapologetic um, Daniel Radcliffe fan. Everything he does, I, I at least watch. So I, I think he's highly underrated. If he never did the Harry Potter movies, he'd still have you know an awesome resume. So anybody who can go from like making some of the biggest blockbuster films straight up to being a fucking farting corpse, good on him. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I loved it when I saw it in theaters and they introduced it as, like, the, the best in fart house cinema. I just, that stuck with me, so I love it. I never, I never saw that. Nice. Yeah, that, the guys at film scene, uh, when they introduced it, they're like, you know, you're, you're here oh, supporting okay. the best in fart house cinema. I just love that, so. Awesome. Yeah, I think those are probably my two favorites as well. I, I love Swiss Army Man. It's hilarious. You Amazing. know, and bizarre soundtracks, so good. Oh yeah, good one, of the most, one of the most unique movies I've ever seen. Yeah, but then also love Green Room, and I think there's a little bit of a personal connection because, oh, you know, this guy I know because you're a Nazi, really good friend of mine. <laughs> who's a, yeah, yeah, that's it. Jesus, uh, this guy I know who's been in a lot of bands and and going and seeing a lot of his shows and even gone um, to, on tour with him once. Um, you know, like that first half of the movie where or the beginning of the movie where before they get to that, you know, all of that is real. Like that oh, was yeah. bringing back memories of sitting in some guy's house I don't know. It was a wonderful who's got, like, one chair portrayal yeah. of real life punk rock bands on tour. Yeah. Uh, you never seen anything that real. It was really cool. Which I don't know how you oh fuck um, are not totally terrified of that movie. Oh, I am. I won't let Tina watch it, so she'll let me go on. Oh tour. God, yeah, I never thought of that. <laughs> but come on, the fucking hand, the arm cut. Yeah, is that oh, not the oh, sickest yeah. fucking thing you've ever seen? 
Uh, have you guys seen the Mondo poster they did for it? No. 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 It's so fucking genius. It looks like a um, photocopied like punk rock flyer, and it's an arm, but it's it's sliced into the Black Flag logo. Oh yeah, fuck yeah! Oh, I've wow. seen that. That's like awesome. whoever thought of that, like I'm pissed that I didn't think of it because it's so simple, <laughs> oh, but absolutely cool. fucking perfect for this movie. Perfect. Yeah. That's all. I kind of wish I put that one on the list because I want to rewatch it really bad. Yeah, I was going to say... Put it on part two. I was going to say it was my favorite one. I was going to go Did anybody see The Lobster, by the way? Yes. It's on my queue. I've seen it. Yes. Just want to check. No, you're absolutely right. (laughs) I'm a big fan of the food also. Yes. Mm, (laughs) Yummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red Lobster. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Good biscuits. They are good. Oh, <laughs> the, the lobster is yeah, the I, reason I watched uh, "Killing of a Sacred Deer," mm-hmm. which I did not care for as much. It's fucked up. We can talk about that some other time, I guess. What I are you starting it, to say, but, Jason? Oh, I was just going to say my list of favorites, oh, okay. but he can keep saying his. Well, Jason, what are your uh, top twenty-four uh, A twenty-four films? Don't make me. I'll be doing it because we know you're going to fucking list all of them. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's possibly true. But I was, I got it narrowed down to three. Um, well, yeah, I think uh, my, as I'm going over the list again, I had a kind of sad realization that I've only watched these once. I've never watched any of them more than once. Well, you got a lot to get through. That, maybe that's it. That's <laughs> totally what it is. It's going to take a while to come back around. But, uh, yeah, Green Room, because of the personal connection to it. Yeah. And it was just a holy it's fucking a shit. shit. Yeah. Seat, edge of the fucking seat. Jesus Christ. What a great fucking movie. Mm-hmm. But really, really, really close second for me is The Witch. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Another good one. Fan. I can't. Oh my! God. Uh, to this day, I I remember all the feelings I have at the end of a twenty four movies, but this whole movie, I'm just I'm just like, no, they're not gonna. That goat's not gonna. No, no. <laughs> and then when he does, I fucking just I I think I raised up off the couch. I just stood up. I was like, what? They, they, I want to rewatch it with your commentary, oh. like. Select that on the on the Blu-ray commentary by Jason. Yeah, that that, that goat ain't gonna do that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> ain't no it's, way that goat goat do no, that. No, but you're watching like it's not gonna go there. It's they're keeping it somewhat in reality. Yeah, there, there's never really any never major really. moment that takes you into. I mean, it, it's still it's still the concept grounded. of a witch, sure. But all they're explaining in the times and the period piece of it is yeah. it's like okay. But that was the next fucking level. I lost my shit with that goat tuck. <laughs> I love Black Phillip. Anyway. And then uh, then I'd say Hereditary's up there because fuck me. I, when that scene happens at the pole with the daughter, I, oh my, God. my fucking mouth Ooh. dropped and it didn't, it didn't, I didn't pick it up until I left the theater. But the thing is, I dude. Just, just sat there like, fuck for another hour but but that scene that that moment that feeling of that moment like resonates for like the next yeah 15 20 minutes because because what's the guy do what's the kid do he He just goes home and goes to bed with his 
sister's <laughs> headless body in the back seat oh, of the car for no, mom to find the next no day. No talking, no dialogue, nothing. You're just left with this fucking scene. And well, I don't know if yeah. you guys oh. do the same thing, but like when I watch movies, God, especially yeah. in this situation, I watch it and I just think about like what I would do. Yeah. And yeah. I would either do exactly what he exactly. did and just go home and fucking go to sleep because that's how I avoid a lot of my problems is sleep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> or or I would or I would seriously just fucking kill myself right there. That's what Tina said. She's like, like I gotta mm-hmm. find the nearest cliff. That was what she yep. was gonna do. Yep. <laughs> I, I would just I would just oh. I would back up and run the car yeah. as fast as I could to pull myself, stick my own head out the window, like yeah. you know. I just don't. You, yeah. You're never going to be uh, li- no. enjoy a moment of your life ever again. It's just the worst fucking dread. Oh my god. Oh. How, how much are we like, going like, to get into this movie at this do point? Do it. Do it. <laughs> but I think like the 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 whole family the, it, themselves they have a weird ass way of processing like any emotion whatsoever. Yeah. You name it, like grief, you know, joy, anger. They just they have. They just have a weird way of processing their emotions in general, I think. They, put, question, the fun, they put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> yes, on the box. <laughs> that on the box. Well, if we're talking about killing moms and all that, I mean, I'd consider the gauntlet already thrown. <laughs> yeah. So but my question would be: How much is he in charge of him? Is he in charge of his own actions at that point? That's true. Which we don't well, learn until the last five minutes. Yeah, you know, but well, that's oh, true. But I mean, in, in retrospect, it doesn't help to be high as hell at the time either. Well, uh, I just uh, wish yeah. that in that movie, he would have came up to his mom after the beheading and said, "Unfortunately, she ate peanuts, and that's what happened to her." Because <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> the, the bad news is she got she ate some peanuts. We didn't have the EpiPen. The good no, Epi news is she has no fucking head. So <laughs> she throat, didn't feel a thing. Yeah, her throat swelled up so much that her head popped the fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to help her breathe. Highway. <laughs> her throat is now wide open. But why are there splinters all over her face? Oh. And then yeah, you don't think weird. they're going to cut back to the head. She did that to herself. And then they cut back to the fucking head. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. That that sound of it hitting the pole is so oh. real. Uh-huh. Because How do you know that's real? Oh, I was going to go there. I was going to go there. <laughs> Quick story time, guys. Right. Um, oh, no. <laughs> thir- no, thir- <laughs> Thursday night, I was at the farmer's market downtown Burlington. I'm walking down the sidewalk, and I hear a horrendous sound like the head hitting a pole in, in hereditary. And I turned around, and there was an old woman face down on the sidewalk. It was her head that bounced off the pavement that I heard and oh. fell in my feet as she fell. I thought for sure she was dead, and I thought <laughs> if she lived, she was not ha- going to have any teeth or, or a nose or eyes. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Why are you making me laugh? Because <laughs> Tad has the best story time. But she, she, uh, after the woman across the street screamed bloody murder, I went over to the corpse, and it turned out it was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucked up, dude. No, she was no. This, she was okay. Like she, I, we were gonna call an ambulance. She said she told us do not call an ambulance. Her, the person who was helping watch her, like came over, helped her up. She was okay. Like I have no idea how, because <laughs> I thought for sure her at least her head was gonna be gone. Like you know this movie, but 
I, I honestly that whole night I couldn't eat dinner. Like I just kept hearing and feeling that like sound oh, of oh, uh, oh, her God. head hitting the sidewalk. Horrible, dude. You just did the nasty plunge into the pavement, huh? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. So awful. Like I, uh, my mom was like, "Can you stop down and get me some soap at the farmers market?" So I've been blaming her all week. I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, mom. Thanks a lot. Got your soap, but you know I had to watch someone die. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it's never it's never cool when when old people fall. But I had a hard time not laughing at one myself. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> because, well, I mean, her her knees gave out. She was like standing. She didn't like fall on anything. But she but she made this sound like a turkey when she fell. So I mean, it it, it looked like it looked like a turkey getting unplugged from the matrix. I mean. She went, <laughs> and, then, uh, just fell. and I was just like, "We are terrible." <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I felt, I felt bad about it after I did, I but I was so. just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I wouldn't be telling you guys about it if she wasn't okay. Wouldn't it be awful if I told the story and it's like, "Yeah, and she died." Oh, <laughs> what a twist! Oh. <laughs> yes. Anyways, back to hereditary. Um, <laughs> Oh. Yeah, that the use of ants in the movie is creepy. Like yeah. there's yeah. ants on the kid's face and an ants eating her like severed head on the side of the road and oh man. That one kind of dream sequence where you see the ant trail. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck. This is like yeah, the whole movie's like I, I try to explain to people when they're asking me what it's about and I'm like, I don't want to tell you what it's about. Just I feel like it's like literally a, a a fucking nightmare like it's a yeah. nightmare oh the whole movie's a fucking nightmare like so oh, just you, you just don't i don't know it's not it's the opposite of swiss army man it's the feel bad movie <laughs> of it day. is i yeah. will say that the use of lighting and shadowing in this movie is is second to none yeah it's it's so cool because it you know i'm i got myself there squinting at the s- screen there for like a moment i'm like oh fuck there's there's somebody there. Yeah. yeah. And it's just it's lurking in the shadows and I'm just like God damn that's effective. Wow. Well and if if we're talking about cinematography, also I I think they're using like tilt shift lenses to kind of make it look like a dollhouse. Do you uh-huh. know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. It's I found that fascinating just from the opening scene. That was a highlight. Yeah, because yeah. there's there's moments Sorry. you really got a question what you're looking at if it's that good of a miniature house or a real yeah. thing or if it's reality or not uh-huh yeah and and alex wolf in that movie the faces and postures and stuff he does uh when he's you know in class and he he gets oh, i guess possessed Jesus. like yeah Holy like how, how does he bend himself and make that oh man like that alone is fucking freaky He's now when so he was contorted. getting when he was getting possessed did anybody else kind of hope secretly that the rock would take over or is that just I, me i was not thinking about that no 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 am i the only one who saw the new jumanji i i almost watched it this week oh i forgot oh it was yes jumanji. that's right You're right okay <sighs> i forgot about that movie it was fun i liked that movie I liked it a lot. Yeah, it looks fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought. I will, go ahead. I, I will. I will say that uh, the uh, per, personally, I love Tony Collette, and I'll watch anything that she's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
did you guys ever see the uh, the United States of Terra? Where she was, she was this housewife, and she goes off her medication on purpose so mm-hmm. she can feel normal. But she has multiple personalities. So the way that she changes, you know, from when she's like kind of possessed in this movie, that kind of echoes that. So I know she could pull that off. But her rant at the dinner scene, oh yeah, on accountability and spo- responsibility, she is just an awesome actress. And she has the line of the movie, don't look at me with that fucking face on your face. I laugh yes. my balls off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the se- most um, serious moment ever and with the funniest line. And when yeah. she is and when she breaks down after Char if she finds Charlie murdered and she's oh. crying, I truly believe that there's somebody somebody died. I mean, the, the raw emotion that she put forth, and you're, you're not even looking at her. You're just hearing her. I'm just like, holy shit. This, this will, I, I was convinced that this, whole, this woman's life has crumbled. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is, she's so good. She's so damn good in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would every expect... movie I've seen her in, she's been uptight, though, it seems like. Like, from Sixth Sense to mm-hmm. Little, Big, Little, Big, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, I'm like, why are you so uptight? Like <laughs> not in uh, in heart hearts beat loud. If you watch that, she's very good in that, and she's That's not good. a thing. But yeah, I thought uh, me and Blake were sort of talking about the Millie Shapiro, the the uh, Charlie. Mm-hmm. We were trying to figure out because uh, we were trying to figure out if she was an adult or actually a kid, or if they use prosthetics. And apparently, I think she's a sixteen-year-old girl. She, if you if you look at her on IMDb, she sort of has that very distinct look. But I, they must, I think they must have applied a lot of makeup to make her look a little more grisly and scary under her yeah. eyes to make. But man, what a fucking creepy kid too! Oh, creepy! Wow! Shit. Yeah, yeah. Wow! How yeah. great though! They turned this simple thing that we all do all the time—that little click noise—and made that <laughs> fucking make you pee your pants. Oh, it's genius! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so simple, so simple. I was really happy that Gabriel Burns still getting work. Yeah, yeah, he's gaining some weight <laughs> after watching like Stigmata yeah. a while back. I was like, wow, yes. it's been a long time since Stigmata. Yeah. But that can't oh, be yeah. a, that can't be an easy role as that dad, the onlooker dad. Yeah, oh, yeah. Jesus. Watching that the whole time, it's like, even though all this horrible stuff is happening to all of them, I just feel like. I feel the most sympathy for him. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he's just there and he's Putting just trying to hold every. Yeah, he's trying to hold everything together while being cool. And I'm like, I would not be cool, you yeah. know. <laughs> but I love, I love the fact that he has a breaking point when he almost has that wreck at that stoplight. I mean, he just finally everything just consumes him, and he's just like he breaks down into tears. I was just like, okay, finally, you know. Yeah, that yeah. for his character more than anyone's really. But yeah, yeah. Happened. He was such a a pawn in all this, and just like tried to do everything for his family, and just, I mean, it's like, dude, it's not working, dude. Like, there's other powers at work, but you're trying your best, man. <laughs> yeah, and then towards the end, it's sort of like, right when he's finally sort of putting his foot down yeah. and saying what's on his mind, <laughs> it, it just turns to bite him in the ass. It's like, <laughs> oh. Yeah, you know, he finally speaks up, and then... He got burnt on, on that. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, uh, then he's uh, he's getting flamed, so, you know. <laughs> oh, what a scene. Uh, yeah. Crazy, crazy movie. Any Anybody who's been asking me in the last, like, three months, what should I watch? I'm like, Hereditary. oh, you should check out Hereditary. It's a good one. And then 
instantly hear back, movie. man, what a movie, but fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I have to feel like this. Yeah. Now I want to go hug my mom. The dioramas, the dioramas of her own daughter's death. Okay, that yeah. just that just screams like a myriad of psychological. It's issues, a neutral okay? point of view, That's Andrew. A fucking red light. It's a <laughs> neutral point of view. Well, the car fucking wasn't in neutral. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, that poor car. Uh. Well, it's like even that. You know, that whole thing is sort of like. I can't believe she's, you know, facing her worst moments and building these things. And then when she's destroying them, I'm like, as an, as someone who's created art and knows how, <laughs> you know, tedious. And then I'm like, don't do that. What do you, all this Anything work. That. Crushing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, to be fair, well, she'd already made like, uh, uh, some dioramas of her relationship with her mother. Right. So it, it, it was in key. It, it was within the character, but yeah, sorry. No, it's just, yeah, it is. It, I, I mean, I took it as, you know, it's just sort of her way of coping in a way. And she hold, she has that whole uh, Patrick Bateman thing where she she avoids conflict by saying she's got to go to a movie. But, you know. <laughs> some Rewind some videotapes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, the, whole, the first time she did it, before we found out, you know, that she was using it as an excuse, I'm like, What's she gonna go see? Of course, you know right, that's my. Right, I'm always curious. Right. So like, what are you? What does Tony? What is? What does this character go to watch? Yeah. So I get the, Yeah. What What do you think if she went to a movie? What do you think she would like to watch? Tiny furniture. I think she needs to. Oh, she needs to watch Swiss Army Man. She would feel much better. <laughs> um, uh, I do have cool. a. I do have a thing about um, from a writing standpoint that I thought was. Uh, was pretty cool pretty cool the the recovery group that she goes to she she gives a lot of uh exposition about her family's background Mm -hmm. but i think that her going to a recovery group kind of disguises that because i mean shit that's what you do at a recovery group you know you you share you know uh you know in order you have to share you know information in order to be helped so i mean it just from a writing standpoint, I think that really disguises a lot of the exposition because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's I a very thought, smart way to uh, sort of tell a backstory without just showing it. Yeah. yeah, I just I dug that, and her monologue was really good in that. You know, it's just like she she basically said that. I mean, she's was born and raised, and you know, is basically a goddamn insane asylum. I mean, her yeah. family life was just batshit crazy. And I know Spe- it'll. Speaking of that, yeah. Speaking of that, can we talk about Joan, the endowed and character, the the friend of the grandmother? Endowed, she's old. Come on, now. I don't think about that. Though. Oh, I thought she was great. She was I awesome. Just, uh, yeah. Just coming out of nowhere, and I'm ashamed to say I didn't see the that turn coming. Oh no, um, that was a big surprise. And but she was the levity. She was the smile that you could have in this movie when she was being all yeah. friendly. She was our one hope of hope. And then the seance, and I totally, I, I just thought she was, yeah, I, I really enjoyed her performance, and oh, you believe I can't her, speak highly enough yeah. about it. Absolutely. Tony Collette's headbanging on the door when son she's trying to get bitch. out of the sun. Oh, yeah, vicious. <laughs> wow. Mm. 
I know it'll never happen, but like it's and it's been awesome that since this movie come out, everyone who's seen it is like Oscar Oscar nom for her Tony. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. it won't happen, but Jesus God, she deserves hey. it. Well, we haven't really seen any other front runners. I would say, you know, nothing else really jumping out besides that. Of course, I'm biased because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm on this podcast and we're we watch this. But I would honestly not be surprised. I mean, a twenty four won Best Picture two years That's ago right. in Moonlight. So sure did. You know, there there is, and it's, I don't know. I, uh, you know, you some can't. people might argue. But this, you know, you could you could argue that this isn't a horror movie. You know, this is if the Exorcist. I was just going to say know, that, but there's so much blood in this. I think you can get away with it with uh, the Shape of Water and Get Out's not that bloody. But like, I don't know, man. I but I this think is pretty gore. This is horrific. Well, yeah, Silence of the Lambs got you know Oscar yeah. nominated, and you're cutting faces off and beating people to death with Billy Club. I mean, I'm on your side. I hope. I hope so much. Reagan masturbated with a crucifix. So <laughs> that was the '70s. A different time. I know, but I feel like we're you know I'm not saying that <laughs> no, the, I... the Oscars are fixed, but um, I feel like that we're just by having some some stuff in the last couple of years, we're in the right direction, man. Absolutely, we've got the popular. Th- yeah, this one can't win popular vote. No, there's no way. <laughs> well, when they, are, when they have just... a what the fuck category, that's a little. Yeah. Will, but the yeah. word of mouth on this has been pretty amazing. Yeah. No, it just it, it just amazes me. I mean, why why can't it get an Oscar knob? I mean, you can. Twelve Years a Slave is about you know real atrocities that actually happened. This is just a made up story. <laughs> so, but she's floating in the air. Cutting her own head off is the most brutal fucking shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh my god, that's nightmares. Just the sound. Of course they mix that fucking sound way high. That's the yeah, her, and she's not skin. blinking whatsoever. Oh, Just she's almost happy about it. That's is nightmare it? fuel, that shit. Well, she's probably got a concussion, so she's probably not feeling <laughs> oh. after all that headbanging. Headbanging was so scary. God dang. I mean, and we're not talking like a thump, thump. We're talking like thump, thump, oh, thump, thump. You just don't expect it that you hear it, and then when you see it, it's like perfect misdirection. And, and she's crouched, and I think she's like upside down. Too. Oh, yeah. She's up there. Yeah. The first time you see her fucking float by Gabriel Byrne in the background, I oh, Jesus. Yeah. You're like, here she we just, go, here we go. She does like that crab crawl like across the room in her kid's room, and I'm just uh, like, oh shit. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm hoping I'm not setting my expectation too high, but I'm hoping that at least in even close in tone, um, we get some of the the nightmare feel from this in in sort of the new Suspiria. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh. Yeah. I just feel like this tone would fit what I'm seeing in the trailers and the images. Mm-hmm. Just, yep. just more of a dread than a uh, straight up horror. Because even the stuff that makes you jump is dreadful. It's just this. I, if I could sum up this movie in one word, it's just fucking dread, man. Like, oh, <laughs> yep. uh, just the the we sat we watched it in a pretty packed theater, and 
I, there was some teenagers and some young kids in there, and I sort of looked over at Nikki and was like, you know, I don't know what they're, they are prepared for this. <laughs> and I was like, I haven't even seen it, but from what I understand, and I wasn't fucking prepared for no, it. it. But, but what was amazing is that it made every single person in that theater shut the fuck up for two hours you know wow, that's a good nice. movie right there yeah if it, i think half of us were enthralled and the other half were probably just trying not to shit themselves mm-hmm. I, yep. these kids are probably like still having nightmares because uh, who brings their, their kids to see this uh, i mean because they're like, idiots it's a movie probably. about family hereditary it's like <laughs> it's like yeah on the way home you better behave or i'm swinging the car over to a telephone pole kids mm. And the, I believe that this film just—I mean, just personally—it's just—it's—it's it's physically and emotionally draining, you know, oh, yeah. because like that, like that dread. I mean, you can handle like the the jump scares and the shocks of some horror films, I believe, but if you has, have this sort of just never-ending snowballing sense of dread. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. To me, it's just it's just a it's just a I guess the word the word draining to me is just like, oh God, stop. You know, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. Oh. Yeah, like the worst thing that could ever fucking happen to a person happens in the beginning of the movie uh-huh. and it just never fucking goes up. It just never it's unrelenting. Can I can I take a poll of you gentlemen right now? Just uh, Tony Collette, excellent in this movie, and uh, I do think she has a shot. I mean, we've got five five months before the Oscars, so there's a lot of films to come out. But I think she's got a shot with this. So she's in this movie. She was in Fright Night. She was in Sixth Sense. She was in Cramp. At what point does she become a scream queen? Good question. If she keeps doing, I. I mean, how much? Where is that line for you guys? I mean, she's been in some heavy hitter stuff. Here. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? She was also uh, now. This doesn't technically make her make it a horror movie, but she was also Alfred Hitchcock's assistant in Hitchcock. If you, mm. Have you guys ever seen? Oh that? yeah, that yeah, she right. was in that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I just and I loved her bit part in that too. I mean, she was kind of like his right hand chick, you know. So I I don't know how to answer that question. She's our gateway drug into the mainstream. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would say she, she qualifies. Recognized in general. Yeah, I never. But until you said that, like, did I put? together that she'd been in this many horror films hadn't really and that's awesome just curious <laughs> yeah no it's a good question we you made us all think too hard well while everyone's thinking about that i'm gonna uh shout out uh i really enjoyed Locke as an a24 film <laughs> uh the uh tom hardy movie where it's oh, yeah. just him in the car talking that to people good. on the phone um Florida Project is another one that uh, yeah. I just yeah. wrecked me, but it was so good. And uh, Under the Skin, which we'll talk about later, 
mm-hmm. has stuck with me for years, and I'm glad I had a chance to revisit it. And then First Reformed, I, I'm going to shout that one out one more time because that one has stuck with me, and I really enjoyed the questions that the movie asked. Yeah, I think Tony Collette though does need to be more recognized though, because I mean, I, I, you know. I just feel she tends to get forgotten about for some reason for a lot of these different films. And she's done a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I mean, really a lot. So with the whole Academy thing, I, that's a whole nother subject though, because I feel there's a lot of films that just absolutely do not be deserved to be on there, but it's like, who, who are we to say that? I guess, I mean, it all depends on perspective on, you know, half. And that's the thing. What, what bothers me about, you know, half the time, a lot of these movies nobody even sees the general audience doesn't see half of these movies that are being nominated yeah so it's kind of like well were they just not available for most theaters which is all always usually the case a lot of the mm-hmm. movies don't come until a week before the movie the academy awards starts so it's hard to really sit there and say i have a connection with the academy awards anymore because i didn't see half of these now it's been better the last couple years but uh, I kind of feel that there's a lot of great movies, especially this one. I mean, this was well acted. There really wasn't anything bad I could say about the film. And it's hard for me to just walk away from a film being like, you know what? I had a really good time. Like, this was a great <laughs> film. And I feel a lot of those films like this, especially the horror genre, get completely just, oh, we, we're not going to count that. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's such a topical thing to really go through with, with everything. It's, I don't know. Yeah, no, fair enough. Anybody here watch Phantom Thread, for example? Yeah. I've I every year I make sure to watch everything that's nominated in almost every category just so I yeah. can check them out. But uh Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it, but I I completely understand why the general population <laughs> didn't see it and has no interest. Well, I've always sort of taken what um James Franco sort of talked about it, not to get too off off topic, but he sort of talks about the awards and and he was I thought it was interesting he was talking about um, the disaster artist and they were sort of asking him what it was about the room. You know, they say everybody sort of says it's the worst movie ever, but all of you guys are talking about it and you're making this and he's like, you know, yeah, it's it's a horribly made movie, but you know, people will go see it in the theater how many times in a row mm-hmm. how, how many times do you go back and watch any of these Oscar movies he goes how many times have you gone back and watched The Revenant The Revenant's fantastic how many times have you seen it you know that's true that's fair goes, yeah and it's like I don't know something about you know it's it's some of these movies they're, they're almost made specifically for awards but what's the point you know I watch them all once I'll probably never again in my life watch Phantom Thread it was fantastic but I'm never going to just pop it in it's just not mm-hmm. not something that I want to watch more than once I don't know it's it's just sort of what it is what what is it to you you know what I mean I don't know yeah I mean I can I can probably watch Predator at least once a month but uh, <laughs> I watch I can watch you know, I watched Moonlight once, and I was just like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really good. It was done really well, but, you know, I just, I don't have, you know, or 12 Years a Slave, I don't have the desire to be depressed as shit for, you know, a month. Yeah. yeah. I just, I want, I want to be, you know, when there's 
I mean, that that would be a, a film that I want to make is something that would, you know, I want to give, I want to, I want to be able to give somebody like a back to the future. You know, it's just like, it's like you're saying hello to an old friend, you know, you just like, you're flipping through channels and you just, you kind of automatically have to, you know, pay attention to it and, and just kind of be there for, for it, even though you've seen it like 20, 30, 300 times. So maybe the popular Oscar should be most rewatchable. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's crazy. We had to we had to make a whole new category just to get this started on the ball rolling because it seems really sad that we've neglected a lot of great films over the years that because they fit in a certain genre, they were just not good enough for the Academy. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not knocking a lot of the winners. Like the Post was okay. I don't really mm-hmm. care to ever watch that again, though. Like I, yeah. I saw it. I get it. Some great, amazing actors, but. Uh, did it really deserve any awards? I don't know. Like I, mm-hmm. I could, I could give you plenty of things that deserve way more awards than that film. But you know, you've got Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, so you know, for yeah. the win, and Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. So it's it's weird like that. How it's like, well, these are the directors that'll always do Academy Award films. Well, whether they earned it or not, are are, are you sure they should still be up there? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I assume the new categories for the Marvel movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's like it, I mean, Wonder Woman. You know, they pushed mm. hard for that to be an award-winning movie, and it was really good. But it came out with nothing, and this is the category it would have dominated. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they'll just have to settle for all that money. I know. It's it's mm-hmm. like that's exactly what I saw a lot of people sort of saying is like. You know, boohoo! These poor movies—they're crying into their pile of money. You know. Yeah, and that's not entirely fair either. But yeah, it is the argument. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird thing. You know, like I said, some of these—it's it, weird when a movie falls in between because there's there's movies that um, were made specifically pretty much for Oscar bait, and then mm-hmm. you know the the critics don't like it, and then they're just completely fucked because they mm-hmm. they've went out there just for this purpose and it wasn't accepted in that area and it's not popular and so that movie those movies just sort of disappear like uh was it scorsese that did silence was that him? oh yeah that was awful like you know that <laughs> well, that was one of those things it was like when it was being talked about it sat on paper it sounded fantastic it had a yeah. great cast and story and everything and it was clear it was being made so you know he could take home some awards and then like, critic critics he- you know, hated it, and he was no one to went get saw it, it for so. twenty years, right? Yeah, and then you know, it just falls to the wayside, and you, do, you don't even think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's a generation gap with the people that are on the board of the Academy Awards, and I mean, if you had people from the range of you know thirty to to fifty, maybe, or a little bit less than fifty, perhaps, maybe we would get maybe different movies that were looked at. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it is just uh, it's uh, it's people that are clinging on to the past and what their morals tell them to say. Well, this is a good film. This is this is just rubbish. This isn't a good film at all. And I kind of feel like all of it's kind of stupid. Like, who are you to say whether a movie's good or bad? I mean, it's one yeah. thing to sit there and be a critic and sit there and say, hey, this is kind of my approval on this. If you would like to go see this in the theater. I'm going to kind of give you my side of the story. And, and you know, even Roger Ebert and, and, you know, 
he was he was fair with a lot of films when I when I used to watch different things that I thought he would hate, but he would really give a thumbs up to you know that you're like all right man you you can go both ways on these things like you're not completely one sided with different you know um, cinema, and so I feel that a lot of this gets down to it, it's it's I don't know it's really kind of dumb that we're judging these things and it's mm-hmm. it's one thing to talk about it but when you're handing out awards and you're doing things that seem to be only made to get an award it's like what's the point what's the, what's the journey you're taking what's the story you're telling that is really is it worth all this like is it just worth that gold statue sometimes and and i'm sure it is for a lot of people especially as an actor or an actress but i say because the you know it is just for a golden statue but it also means it's for most of them too well yeah. for the <laughs> most of them it's it means more work big work oh, definitely. You know, it affects you know, they, your after, livelihood you know Oh, After definitely. you get that, you you know you have you don't have to take that shitty uh, you know movie that you you just need the money for. You can you get to pick and choose, you know, unless you're Cuba Gooding Jr. But um, yeah, poor Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> but you know he was he was pretty good in American Horror Story and the O.J. Simpson TV special. Yes, I was, was down for that. So yes, yeah, he's fantastic. But you know he wouldn't ever be in those if he didn't take a huge nosedive after winning. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, being able to triple your fee has got to be a good thing. Well, they love putting Academy Award winning or Academy Award winning nominee on a poster or, you know, or a trailer. It definitely helps. So, yeah, it's and it's funny because uh, Family Video, they get these like rolls of stickers that say like award nominee or award winner or mm-hmm. uh, and they stick them on the, the Blu-ray covers at the store. And my favorite thing is around award season to go peel them off and put them on really bad movies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or even in my own collection, like I'll buy used Blu-rays and they have the sticker on them, so I'll peel them off and put them on something else just for my own amusement. Like I'm literally the only person seeing it, but it still makes me laugh. I just laugh to myself when I stick stick a sticker on like, you know, some really big piece of shit, and it's like award winner. Name names. What's the best Cut one? Throat. That's I was Cut trying to. Island. Nominated for 11 Academy Awards. I was just trying to think because uh, I'm trying to remember what I, I I pulled it off of like they, they put them on like anything you know they put it on like Planet of the Apes because it was nominated for you know effects oh. score or anything they just they use that sticker pretty liberally just to get people to rent movies but it's uh, that's why it's fun to sort of stick it on other movies I'm trying I was trying to think of a good example but maybe uh, some oh like Left Behind that that Nick Cage <laughs> awful like christian oh, remake like yeah. I, I think i i think i slipped a sticker onto one of those that family video uh and and you know you just look at it and laugh it's like yeah this would never win anything i did have a weird question just before we get back to everything does anybody <laughs> remember when the last time there was a voiceover for a movie trailer i don't know i don't know either i mean i know the guy died the main guy who used to be oh Oh yeah, that I can I can almost hear his voice now. In a world, you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to yeah. think about it. It's always in a world. Well, yeah. they re- they replaced him with slow cover versions of popular songs. Oh god, I yep. hate that. Every fucking yeah. trailer. I just thought that was weird the other day when I was thinking about. It. I was like, when did they decide to just not do voiceovers anymore? Because I know there was plenty of different voiceover work that was being done for different films, but it kind of just. I don't know. They they usually just do like little audio clips from movies, a little music, and that's that's all you need. Hmm. Yeah, the blom sound. 
That yeah. guy's voice was so prevalent in you know the it was. 80s and I mean even in the early to mid 90s I think you know and then it just kind of yeah Harrison cool. Ford is looking for his son or his daughter or his family again and you're like really <laughs> he's always looking for somebody <laughs> I've always noticed that Mel Gibson always you know you know he says give me back my son you're my child. <laughs> But to this day, I know Mike and I still say, in a world. Oh, Everything yeah, starts yeah. within a world. Yeah. But speaking of Mike, yeah, we trailed off. Because you had like... You hereditary. Told, you told us you had uh, questions about hereditary. <clears throat> well, I just have one big question about hereditary. And maybe it's more for you, Jason, just because I saw your initial reaction. Uh-huh. I'd never. Wait, you just can't wrap, can't wrap your head around it. No, it's not that. I just didn't. Un- I <laughs> wrap your head around a pole. Come on, because I came home so <laughs> stunned and yeah. I, I, I'll I'll say that I liked the movie. I thought it was good. I just don't know if I I think I have a theory maybe about the reaction, but. I don't really fully understand how or why you were so affected by it, or any if anybody can address this. Oh, we talked like, about it for half an hour. Oh, you did? And yeah, why it was so awesome. Well, then I'll just have to listen to the episode. Yeah. No, but well, yeah, it's, it all started with the the head hitting the pole, and it never let up for another hour or two. Okay. It's yeah. because that kid wanted to go to a party and basically hit on that girl and told him to eat some chocolate <laughs> i blame that kid for everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like if he would have watched his do- his sister and just hung out he probably would have thought before shooing her away to be like oh there's some cake wait you're not allergic to peanuts or anything you know i mean he went to get high i get it he's at a party i don't know why tony collette let her daughter go to a high school party that's beyond me why that happened well, I, there's that moment even here, even the son says like trying to put blame back on her for it because oh yeah you made yeah. you made me take her you know she like, didn't want to go yeah, yeah she she wanted to stay home yeah Just nobody wanted home. this more than the mom for some reason unless it wasn't was. her talking and it was the, yeah. the powers making her do that because they had a plan it goes back to the uh, lesson that they. They were having in school, right? Where uh, is it? Is it is it worse if you have uh, control over yourself, yeah. or if you have no control? Well, I do find it really intriguing. They could have simply left out that whole allergy thing, mm-hmm. and they could have just had them driving home after the party, and her just kind of looking outside the window and looking back and forth, and you know, getting her head lopped off. But I think it even makes it worse and just dreadful, as we talked about, to have her last moments be choking for air. I mean, Mm. it's like it's like let's not just drive them home and have to get an accident. Let's have her suffer. Just have a horrible reaction. He's panicking, Mm. and then that's when it happens. I mean, what an intriguing way of doing this. But then also, he gets he gets he has that feeling later. Oh yeah, yeah. Starts clicking his tongue like her too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so yes, and then and then the slow escalation through the whole movie with the bonkers third act. You're just like, holy shit, it's off the rails now. Yeah, and I was just like, 
That was a jaw-dropping movie from the pull on for me. I, that's the why thing, I was just stunned. Just the pull. The pull was really impactful. No pun intended. Mm. Jesus. <laughs> doesn't stop ever. <laughs> it's never gonna stop. <laughs> but just I, I just. I mean, I've you thought I was seen hundreds of movies. I've just we've seen hundreds of movies that go off the rails in the third act. I just, mm-hmm. I just feel like there's there was something more on on a certain level that affected you. That's what I'm that's what I'm trying to understand. The only thing I could think of, the only thing I can think of, because I did have a slight moment there right at the end, after I gave up trying to figure out what just happened, um, <laughs> where, um, where I'm like. After the head thing, just the whole family keeps spiraling down and down and down and down, and there's never any any levity from that point on. There's never any. Well, there's really no levity in the whole damn movie, really. But there's there's never a bright moment for this any member any member of this family from that point on. It just keeps going worse and worse, which made me think of movies that have affected me deep to my core in that same vein, in that same theme, like Requiem for a Dream and Martyrs. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. would so that's what made me think like was this a martyrs moment for Jason? Yeah, just it never let up. You it was just fucked. And and like <laughs> Tad has said before, you know, you put your you put yourself in the in the main character and if you're the boy it's just like, Jesus Christ! It's the, yeah. it's the worst thing that could happen. And why? Even going back to what Blake was saying, like you know, uh, why would the mom let the girl go to the thing to the to party with him? Um, it's sort of you know, not to get too personal, but it like reflects on how you feel about or how your relationship is with your family. Like, I had an older sister and an older brother, and. There were several times where her mom sort of was like, you know, take your brother. Your brother has to go because, you know, not only did she want me to socialize or be included, but she probably just wanted me fucking gone so she could have time <laughs> for herself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I was very close with my siblings. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my si- I was friends with my my uh, siblings' friends, and they were friends of my friends. Still, They still are. We all sort of shared, you know, friends amongst each other. and and But it's just the way, like, I know... I've known Blake forever. I know he's not as close with his siblings. So it's sort of like, I don't know. It's interesting now that we're sort of um, interpreting a movie in a different way just because of the way, you know, we were brought up or the way we grew up. And it's, it's intriguing. And I, I suppose everyone that watches something tends to want to connect with their own personal life. And that's, I mean, unless it's like something completely off the wall, but even this is it's more about family than anything else really it's about that connection and it's uh something that everyone's going to perceive things differently with and i i kind of felt that the characters were so unique and so just they had just it just things were not working out you know like when she destroyed all those um models that she was making and gabriel sees that and he's just like what on earth is going on like you're screwing with money now. Like, you know, I mean, I assume did they both now, maybe I'm confused by this. Now, what was their job specifically? Did they just both work on models or I what? Think exactly? He was a doctor, I believe. Did, it, did that ever come up? He was a doctor. I don't even remember that. 
think I wrote it down actually. Uh, okay. Okay. It was. Oh, it's. It actually says uh, in the beginning when it's um, superimposed uh, the uh, the the obituary. Oh. It actually he has. He actually says he's doctor. It doesn't actually uh, specifically say what kind of doctor that he is. Okay. So it is kind of one of those movies, though, that there's I don't, yeah, there's so much going on. It's hard to focus on little details like that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, as we, what you were saying, Ted, I, I do I, I do get that whole concept. I did feel like it was a bit kind of odd for her to just send the the daughter as protective as she kind of was of her to a party with him but oh, she yeah. did she did go over details about drinking and everything like that and i mean i remember that like my my sister would want to you know hang out with my friends and my mom would try to get her up there and you know i'd be like hey get out of here you're you're little you know you know that kind of thing so go eat some cake you idiot go eat some cake yeah. yep did you Let guys notice that uh before uh she was well kind of forced onto her brother to go to this party and i'm just rethinking back back to it now uh she was actually headed towards that treehouse she was almost you know in retrospect gonna be letting the cat out of the bag if she got up there because that's where she was headed Mm. and that's where all the you know the satanists were hanging out but um I guess you gotta gotta suspend your disbelief, you know that you know people who are you know cavorting on you know up and you know on your property and you know bringing corpses in there. But uh, yeah, I just I, I just kind of put that together. I was just like, shit, that's where she was. That's where she was headed because she was kind of drawn to there, and she probably would have said, hey, there's a bunch of weird people in our treehouse. We never really talked about the ending, though. How about? How about that? How about that? <laughs> I I felt it was kind of all you know. I knew that there was weird stuff going on, but it it kind of felt like an information dump yeah. to me. Uh, it, it was it was a lot to take in in a very short amount of time. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. okay, you're this demon. We were a coven, and then then we did all this and this and this and oh, okay, everything's everything's all sealed together. It was just like trying to fit. 10 pounds of shit into a five pound bag real quick that's that's really true because a lot of the times through that film i was kind of like are they purposely leaving out details so you're kind of lost and confused as the characters are mm-hmm. and just kind of wandering through this maze and towards the end you know it it, it kind of they were very limited on what they gave you mm-hmm. and then yeah. it's like like you said it's like you know what here's a bag of shit and they just threw it at you. And you're like, what just, I just got hit with shit. Like, you know, and it's, it makes you really like, okay, what, what, what just happened now? And then you feel kind of like, well, that was kind of weird. They just dumped all that instead of yeah, slowly I, bleeding it through the film. Yeah, they force fed it to you instead of oh, yeah. just. It was, it's an interesting, I think, storytelling technique. I'm not sure that it's the greatest thing ever, but like, and maybe I'm watching it with rose-colored glasses, but. But you're driving home and you're like, oh, you fuck. You know, like, style-wise, to not to leave it all out and then just hit you right at the end and then credits. You're just like, forces you to put it together and walk backwards through the movie and figure out those things. And I don't know, I kind of liked it for that. But it, Even though it I was didn't hate it, I just thought it was a little too much. It felt too much at the time. 
I agree with that. You're like, Jesus, how that am I supposed to re-watch understand it? Again? it? Yeah, and I did the other day, yeah. actually. Fair, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. And it's, it's a good one to see all the clues and all the little things and the... Well, to me, it was the... more so um, the that it just sort of uh, everybody everything was such a slow burn that when shit started to hit the fan, that it was pure chaos. So it made you fe- it made me feel very uncomfortable. Where I sort yeah. of got in this slow dread, you know, I got into this mode where I'm just sort of sad and exhausted, and then boom, it hits you, you know, right in the face and and uh, they don't want you to pr- sit and process and think about it. They just yeah. want sort of... It's almost like a panic, you know? Like the characters. It sort of hit them out of nowhere. Yeah, you're very much the- empathetic with the characters at, because you have the same information that they do and you're tortured like the characters. Did you guys um, get anything about uh, the scrawling on the wall? I mean, I wrote them down here. One said Satoni and... Liftoch pandemonium. I'm, I'm I'm curious as to what the significance to that was actually supposed to be. You don't get that reference? Uh, I'm I'm, no, I, I guess I have <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know what where they were going for that. I have no idea. No idea. But I bet it's in there. Probably. Other than when they're really scrolling watch. through those books and stuff. I don't know. Hmm. All right, so, yeah, maybe we should move on. That's a lot on hereditary <laughs> there. Oh, we did a couple of minutes on the Academy Awards, don't worry. Oh, okay, it's cool. enlightening. Did nice. we already touch on Monster, though? Did we kind of already go through Monster as well? Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah. I think that's the first yeah. one we did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got that kind of out of the way. Yeah, still got two more to go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll make we'll make it quick. <laughs> We're halfway there. Yay! Well, I want to talk about life after Beth. Like the movie, or do you want to talk about life after Beth? Because you used to date Beth, and now it's and she broke your heart, and yeah, uh-huh. and I, I, I started. Had you seen this, this before singing. you picked it? Beth, I hear Have you seen this before it? you picked it? <laughs> no, I have not. I have not. I've seen the trailers, but it had been, like, God, when did this come out? Like, 2016, I think? It's been a while. 2014. And 2014. Yeah, 2014. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, been a while. Yep. So, it's been a while since I, I'd seen the trailers, uh, and I remember at the time, the trailer had me intrigued. I'm like, oh, this looks this looks like it could be pretty cool. But on the same regard, as like, is this just another Warm Bodies, I guess? But uh, then watching the movie, I'm like, holy oh. fuck! I totally forgot Paul Reiser's in this, and um, John and, C. Riley, John C. Riley, Molly in Shannon, this. and Molly mm-hmm. Shannon, yeah. So cool cast, and I was Gary excited. Marshall. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that was <laughs> Gary Marshall. <clears throat> so, so this was a comedy, um, right. a horror slash comedy, but. Th- Basically, this guy, this uh, guy's girlfriend Beth, died apparently by getting bit by a poisonous snake, and he was he just falls apart without her around so much so that 
he he just needs her so badly that he hangs out with her parents at her, at her parents' house. He's like sneaks out of the house just to go and hang out with her mom and dad. That's how much he misses her. Plays chess with the dad and everything. And so he 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 ends up having this special bond with with her parents. And then all of a sudden, like they won't return his phone calls. He he goes over to the house and knocks and no one answers the door and come to find out just randomly Beth come has come back to life and and he figures this out and they you're trying to keep it a secret but uh you know the kid wants Beth to know the truth and you know wants to take her out they always want to go fucking hiking if I hear if, if I hear the concept of going hiking one more time I'm gonna not go hiking um and and then and then out of nowhere it turns into a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so, and for a comedy like the f- first half, this like little emo boy with his dead girlfriend, you know, <laughs> all gone and everything, is quite sad, and bleak, and and depressing for this for the first you know half of the first act there. <clears throat> And the way it's the way it's shot, it's it has like a really like low budget art house indie feel to it. I felt um, to the point where like the comedy tone was really weird. It was just really weird to- the the comedic tone to it. Pretty dark at times the comedy, which I appreciate. And then when you get to the third act, it's it's freaking just bonkers. It just goes off the rails. You know, the kid, you know, there's a zombie. And I like, too, how it's a zombie apocalypse, but that's happening behind us. That's happening off to the side. We're not seeing the zombie apocalypse. We are still still just invested in this kid and what he's supposed to do about his dead, undead girlfriend. <laughs> so I liked that. I like the fact that there's, like, mm-hmm. this whole apocalypse going on. That's not really but that's not, part that's, of the Yeah, movie. that's not important. <laughs> Just um, how it affects our main character, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, that, I think that scene's hilarious. He comes home to check on his mom and dad, and there's undead grandpa sitting there. Yeah. That whole scene I thought was <laughs> hilarious, and the old owners of the house come come back to life, and are like, "What are you guys doing in our house?" You know, all that stuff. I had a few mm. actual laugh out loud moments with this movie, which is again, it's just. A weird tone, and the and the tone shifts throughout, and the comedic tone shifts throughout because it gets goofy in in the third act. You know, apparently these it gets goofy, but it gets goofy, but they never it it never gets to the point where it it stays pretty dry. It never gets to the point where they're they're uh, they're winking uh, or it gets uh, I the. The thing I'm thinking of is like uh, when uh, Molly Shannon's missing fingers. Oh yeah, and then, but and they don't, they don't comment on it. It's just something you can you notice, and it happened. There's no joke about it. If you get it, great. If you don't, too bad. Uh, I don't know. I I or really like enjoyed her carrying a stove on her back. Yeah, yes. like that's yeah. funny, but they don't really say anything about it. It just happens. It's just it's just part of it. Just, I mean, but you know, but crazy. it gets. It gets a little goofy slapsticky at that yeah. moment at first. Like, yeah. she can't get through the doorway. Once she does get mm-hmm. outside, the weight of the stove falls, and she's, like, dangling in midair. You know, it gets... It, 
that's where it gets a yeah. little extra silly. Yeah. 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 Just stuff like that. Well, the, like that. It's, it's the naked. Yeah. The naked dead lady looking for the oh. car wash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the fact that the old owners come back and say they bought the house for $28,000 and they're like, <laughs> when did you buy this place? Yeah. Yeah. I love oh, that moment. Everything that's going on. And Paul Reiser's all of a sudden obsessed with the idea of paying $28,000 for that house. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's important right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cast a great, you know, I mean, I've always loved Paul Reiser, so I was just excited that he was there, you know. John C. Riley cannot do any wrong, in my opinion. Um, but I, I feel like I'm one of the few people that will stand up and, and defend Molly Shannon. Oh. But if even if you mm-hmm. are the biggest Molly Shannon hater, I feel like that role was written for her, because every character she ever has done or created always has this, like, um, kind of psychotic uh, undertones about about her, and the the, the mom's, per, you know, is the the mom is. I mean, she played it great. Yeah, just a sweet mom, concerned mom. Sweet mom, but also you know goes a bit crazy. It goes off the deep end a bit, you know. Yeah. Always taking pictures. Always taking pictures. Yep. <laughs> Uh, line of the movie for John C. Riley. Enough of this Dracula shit. <laughs> but that's my favorite line. Yeah, I, I, that almost feels like that was a improv line or something. That sounds like more of a John C. Riley line than a scripted line. I, I, I kind of feel watching this that uh, the main character Zach was it Dane DeHaan. That's the actor. Is that how you say his last name? But. He seems to be like kind of overshadowed by everybody else's acting. Like he just kind of fades in the background. Like you, you, you feel bad for the character, but you also are kind of like, is this your best acting? Like I've seen you, you know, do many other films, and you're, you're a little better at, at some of the films you're doing. And I kind of feel like, I don't know, I don't know if the acting, was, the actors, it was the right choice for him to be in this role. It was very weird for him to be in this film, and I felt it right from the get go. Yeah, maybe it was weird. I thought he did a good job, but there were just I, he reached certain moments in some of his character motivations that I just yeah. not ended up not liking him at certain yep. points in the movie. I'm like, all his all his girlfriend's father is asking is just let you know, let's just keep this on the down low. Let's not tell her. Let's not let her out of the house. Can, why can't he just follow that? You know, I, I like what does anybody have to gain with? Taking her in a ride, or going hiking, or telling Beth that she's undead, and obviously when that does happen, it doesn't mm-hmm. work out well. So, so yeah, there's just a few moments there. Well, you know, they're crazy teenagers; they're in love. I guess. Got to get away from the adults. Well, it also really didn't bridge a connection between the two main characters too much, really. I mean, you didn't really see them prior together, which that kind of would have been nice to kind of almost see them do a little bit of background on them just to create that bond where you care about both of them. Yeah. And I didn't care about either of them. Like I watched it and mm-hmm. I thought I love John C. Riley. I love Molly Shannon. Paul Reiser's great, but I don't care about these characters. I love Aubrey Plaza. I mean, she does great mm-hmm. movies, but I don't know. I felt like something was amiss and it was to me the weakest of the four films we watched. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I probably agree with that. I mean, I still liked it. You know, it yeah. goes back to what Tad was saying. You know, 
the worst on this list is still is still a really damn good movie, but um, but yeah, I'd agree. It's probably the the weakest of the four, which is crazy for me to say because I will always pick a comedy over anything super serious. So I noticed that the zombie horniness in this movie is similar to that out of the Santa Clarita Diet. If you guys watch that, you know, because mm-hmm. Aubrey. Just great. Aubrey Aubrey Paws is like pretty horned out and wants to, you know, hump hump Zach and you know, I'm just I'm my mind immediately goes to uh uh Timothy Oliphant and uh uh Drew, Drew Barrymore. Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that. And and who has sex on a children's playground in broad daylight? I mean, is there anybody that lives in this town? Come on. Maybe in the middle of the night, but in broad daylight during the day, I don't know. And it was weird seeing Andrew, uh, Anna Kendrick come in in the movie because it felt like she had sort of been established by then as an actress, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like her role was kind of like, "Hey, we need to find a girl to fill this part. Can you just come in and do it real quick?" It was really weird, but she played it great for what she did. Oh yeah. Well, everybody, almost like there's almost no filler roles in this movie. Every character is played by someone that we know. So yeah. I really also like the brother. Yes. Mm. Those I thought those scenes were hilarious. His interaction with the brother. Yeah, I bought that relationship probably yeah. more than the the Aubrey Plaza relationship. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I thought I didn't really talk much about it. I thought it was funny. I saw I saw it when it originally came out. I think it went to Netflix or amazon pretty quickly after it was released and we had seen the trailer and went ahead and watched it um the humor was definitely different than i f- was sort of expecting yeah but it, but i sort of i really do enjoy the dry humor and i guess i should have expected that out of an a24 movie because they're not going to just do a typical comedy it's got to have something different to it you know what i mean so i I agree with everyone sort of saying that it's... I still think it, I enjoy it more than um, Monster, but it's... I'm with you there. It definitely... It, it's... I don't know. Maybe I'm just... I don't know. I, I, I'm like at a loss for words as how to describe it, because it's definitely more humor than horror, but like you guys are saying, it's not a like a knee slapping, laugh out loud. It is I almost like it's that. A weird kind of comedy. Yeah. yeah, there's not a whole lot like it. So I'd I say def- dark comedy, definitely. Yeah, under yeah. dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has anybody seen any of the other films by uh, this the director Jeff? I don't even know how to say it, but Baina. I saw he he wrote I Heart Huckabees, but oh, no. nothing. There was nothing else. Uh, he directed a couple other films that I don't remember what they are, but I I hadn't heard of them. Uh, I'm trying to look them up now. Can't say. No, I have. anybody? No, no. Okay. Joshy and the Little Horror. Nope. Wow. The little the little hours. The little hours. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I was so hoping it was little whores. <laughs> Jesus, they're midgets, and I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, Joshy and the dwarf prostitutes. I've never seen the Little Hours, but I've heard quite a bit about it. Oh and wow! It's, it's on Prime, so I want to watch it. But um, 
It, that that's another one. He has like Allison Brie, Dave Franco, yeah. uh, Aubrey Kate. Plaza, John C. Riley, Kate Micucci, Molly Shannon, Fred Armisen, hmm. Nick Offerman, yeah, Paul Reiser, Adam Pauly. Hmm. Uh, yeah, wow. it has has a crazy cast in it. So, you know, that's Must definitely one to watch. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I know I missed a little bit of this here, but um, I'm going to say out of the three that we watched, this was probably my favorite. Really? Yes, I I really enjoyed it. The comedy hit perfectly for me in this one. I I liked the story. Um, I enjoyed the the, the act, acting. Everybody's everybody was very awkward in this movie, but <laughs> it worked for me. Um, and uh, I don't know how far we've gotten into this, but my favorite thing had to do with the stove. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were talking about the stove. It's definitely got some great oh. moments with the stove. Well, it just caught me off guard. Like, yeah, at the end when he did what he had to do, um, <laughs> and. She heads down that hill. I didn't expect them to go so crazy with it. They just shit whipped her down that hill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's just flipping down that fucking hill, and the leg comes flying off. <laughs> and it's like, it's this touching scene, but they just took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, she actually says in a normal voice, she has like this this moment of you know clarity and normalcy she actually tells him that she loves him too before he has to shoot her and then it's just you know then it goes and then it cuts to that and i'm just like jesus and then he makes the mistake of tossing away the gun oh yeah because his brother was pissed that he tossed his gun just desert right. cool, man i had to pay for that myself <laughs> as soon as he did it i'm like what are you doing <laughs> idiot <laughs> I mean, he thought they had, like, bazookas and shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a love story, so I quite enjoyed it. You are you are a sucker for a love story. That's true. I am. It kind of reminded me of uh, a little bit of Burying the X. Has anybody seen that? Yep. Yeah. Dante? Joe Dante, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, was Joe Dante? the last film Joe Dante had done. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely one of his weaker films, unfortunately, but it had some good, it had some good elements to it, but yeah, kind of same kind of premise. Alexandra Daddario's in it. So that's a huge element, a couple of huge elements. <laughs> yeah. She does have big feet. Um, but yeah, there, <laughs> It's kind of yeah, it's kind of the same concept. Only it's a crazy ex-girlfriend that comes back from the dead, and not his true love kind of thing. But yeah, but wasn't she his ex? She had broken up with him. That's true, but he but she just know. couldn't remember it. Zach was <laughs> yeah. still Zach was still majorly in love with Beth. Unlike in burying the ex, you know, he was happy to. It's kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, exactly. So it's. So it's almost like a different kind of take on uh, my boyfriend's back, which we discussed mm -hmm. earlier. <laughs> oh, it all comes around. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, some your one true love coming back from the dead. That's uh, not a new concept. Return of the Living Dead Part Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mindy Clark. Love it. <laughs> yeah. The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> oh. oh, shit. All right, what's the last one? The last movie is Under the Skin. Fuck that movie. Who wants to cover loved this it. thing? Loved it. Oh, yeah, I love it, too. I loved it, but I think this one's the true martyrs. Moment for this me. This is the one that that's when I truly did. If you not, it has fucked me up, and I'll tell that to anybody. Jesus Christ, yeah. this movie. Oh, anyway. you compared this one to Martyrs, though. I've never seen Martyrs. Well, and I won't yeah, he hasn't seen I saw, Martyrs. It, I saw what it did to Mike. Oh, okay, yeah, so. yeah, that's obvious. Very pretty yeah. movie, landscape-wise, the shots mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. very pretty. I loved it though. I, I think it helps let let the actors or it, sorry, I, I think it helps the audience in this film kind of judge kind of how the movie is perceived in a way, which is kind of cool. Like it gives you sort of a bit of a guideline on kind of well, this is kind of what's going on. Okay, this is our big reveal, which helps you kind of patch up kind of what you were trying to process through the film. But it does allow the audience to kind of make their own conclusion on what exactly is going on what is the purpose of all this and mm-hmm. i kind of find that kind of cool yeah. to have that little yeah. like here you go just you you decide what you want to decide when you know you start left, the movie with 14 or 15 minutes of no dialogue mm-hmm. yeah i got i wrote that down <laughs> the movie. yeah i did i did too the first <laughs> line of dial like uh distinguishable dialogue comes at like fourteen fifty something and I mean, we've got background chatter from like the soccer crowds. I think it is, and then not a lot of dialogue first... in general. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's what makes it cool. It draws you in, like you said. But you've got that score, that sin. Oh, fucking atonal yes. score! Off-putting son of a bitch of a score. Absolutely. <laughs> now, absolutely. Hey, you, you say that, Jason? But like, is it the score, or is it? Is it the movie? Because I've talked about before, you know, like the two they movies. They make each other great. The two movies that have messed, messed me up in my brain was Requiem for a Dream and Martyrs. Those are the two most, like, um, impactful but in a bad way movies th- uh, that but have But I'll be honest, me. I had the score to Under the Skin for years, a couple of years, I think. Yeah. And had, I sorry, Ted, I broke my rule and I, I didn't think I was going to watch Under the Skin, so I just listened to the soundtrack. And, but when I watched the movie, I'm like, okay, this sounds familiar, but I don't, I didn't remember it being that fucked, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it took the movie and the situations and context of the movie to be like, the the way that score complimented it was like, oh, I see, fuck. But I can't decide, though, like, because I can't even hear the music from Requiem for a Dream or from Martyrs without like having PTSD, you know. Um, <laughs> I agree with you 100% there. Those are the same two movies for me. But is it the music or is it what the movie did and the music is, you know, cuz it's like it's like um it's like I cannot I cannot hear freaking 
Um, um, well, anything off the Pulp Fiction soundtrack mm-hmm. without thinking of Pulp Fiction. Oh, I went back yeah. and listened to Under the Skin soundtrack after the movie, uh-huh. like an idiot. Because then I was like, I was like, oh, because th- it brought it all back for me. Yeah, now it's going to. Though, that's my point. Tied to mm-hmm. it, and it was twice as emotional listening to it as it was before I'd seen the movie for sure. Mm-hmm. So it is a big part of it because, like you said, it's atonal. It's it's non-traditional, and it's it's off-putting. I think Scarlett Johansson herself really does a good job, though. Just even though she's not saying anything, you really are focused on what she's doing or what she's not doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's oh, yeah. she does really help you focus, and she does a lot of intriguing roles. And I think that's great for her to not just be, you know, Black Widow and everything. Yeah. You know, you've got to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I. I I just I think the, she's an actress. It, yeah, and the cringiest thing in that movie, though, for me, is watching that baby just be left on the beach. Oh, yeah. Because oh. after that, after oh. that scene, it yeah. made me kind of feel like, okay, I don't think that they are human or something's not right here. Like, there's no compassion. There's no nothing, and it's mm-hmm. it's this emptiness and it's this let's study concept and just watching it, I'm like, okay, I. Th- I mean, you kind of got that from the get-go with the, the skin change and stuff like that. But you're like, you know, something is... Mm-hmm. They're just just—they're not really here to really... Whether they're trying to learn, but they just don't care either way. So there's either another motive going on that we're not aware of. But there's so many things that you could think about through this film. I think she's slowly coming to terms as the movie progresses as to what it is to like to be human oh, definitely. and and how tough and how tough it is um uh just just a just kind of on a side note uh i thought a lot of the you know uh the the, the shots of the red draining uh, I guess it's it's blood and sometimes the the blending of uh, when she was watching all the humanity blend around her I mean that's to me that just screamed David Lynch in terms of uh, imagery mm-hmm. and yeah, when the guys when the guys are floating around and turning to all crusty in that I guess symbiotic fluid uh, whatever they're stepping into uh, my mind immediately went to uh, Chris Cunningham's work in the tool videos. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. I mean that that that's. I mean, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, 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 sober or, or stink fist, particularly. You know, mm-hmm. it, when the guy turned into a freaking balloon. I mean, this is this is yeah. very um, body oriented horror. You know, and that made me think of David Cronenberg as well. So, so what was happening in that in that fluid that turned the guy into a uh, into a balloon and to pop? I mean. Uh, well, he just, he kind of like deflated, you know, mm-hmm. Cause like, you yeah. know, when like the air gets out of a balloon, he just kind of just, you know, uh, I assume that they go in there as like, um, you know, like a, when a snake eats something, it, it's just, dige- I mean, it's like, yeah, it's just breaking down the body. It just yeah. wants what's inside. So mm-hmm. metaphorically speaking, you're seeing what's inside, what's going on inside a snake, right? Well, but it's this alien pool well, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw it mm-hmm. as like breaking down the this food. I mm-hmm. guess is what I saw it as, and that's how I, they get the stuff out that they want. 
Oh God! He, that fucking that crack, that pop crack sound. There's like no music, right up until that moment. He's floating there for like 17 minutes. You're just forced to stare at this guy, and then there's no music, and then suddenly, crack. Couple this, of naked this, guys. This weird mm-hmm. crack yeah. sound, which you don't ever hear, never heard before, and then empty person, and uh, that's <laughs> nightmares. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> my take on it is i thought i kind of thought she was like a succubus that lured the men in with their sexuality to feed off of them yeah and she kind of and she kept one around until she was sure she had another one lured in and then once Mm. she had the next one lured in she didn't need to save the other one just to make sure she you know, had a meal to feed on if she went through a dry spell. So she just sucked that out of him, and he was gone. I saw that, too. I don't know. It's weird to to figure out kind of what is the purpose of... I mean, they're obviously studying human behavior to a certain extent, and whether or not, you know, the first alien that was in the body... Um, failed, and mm-hmm. she either became too human or could not complete ah. her task. Okay, and that's mm. why they pulled that skin off and put it on the, the you know mm-hmm. the, the the current Scarlett Johansson version because that was a confusion too. Where you're like, well, is that just a body that they used mm-hmm. to to put her in? But it's kind of like I'm assuming maybe that's the the human form they chose to use mm. to infiltrate you know humans in general and it just happens to be scarlett johansson's body so they're going to just pop another alien in there because they know that we're going to see how you do it because they know that body can lure in the food exactly but it's kind of like why what are we doing here are we what they're they're obviously they need to learn from something here so are we just learning human behavior and then digesting the rest or I don't know. It's it's such a weird thing because and, and it's great. And obviously, don't tell she, us. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And she sees how horrible humans are. I mean, Jesus, the rape thing that that, oh, that yeah. happened, trying to have sex, um, and then feeling compassion for the deformed individual. I mean, all yeah. these things, and then obviously the male biker guy, <laughs> he yep. uh, basically was cleanup crew, and whether he was in charge of what she was doing and kind of closely watched how she studied things. It was kind of a weird situation. And where he was at at the end, I have no idea. Like, what a weird situation. Like, he just was off into the wilderness somewhere at the end there. What I I found interesting is uh, when at the end she peels her skin off and then she sees the, the human form that she took and it's blinking back at her. Yeah. It's almost like, it's, it's, she she's like now she now she can see what I don't know I mean the I get the impression that's like man this is what it's like to be human and then she gets she can see herself I mean it's like a I mean I, it was it was a weird it was a weird feeling it was a, it was weird to watch and it, you know it was just it was it was very different I mean it was creepy to see it blinking but at the same time you felt like this. I don't know. I felt like this weird emotion just watching watching that happen after what she went after she just what she went through just you know in coming to terms with what it's like to be human. At do least you think that's this, my, my interpretation. 
do you think this film is an underlining concept for how women sometimes feel? Perhaps. Sure. I mean, being used and not, you know, just being another body for somebody. And it just, I don't know. And, you know, you have that guy just running away after he burned her. Mm-hmm. And he, there's no consequences for him. You know, she was basically left mm-hmm. for dead. And he just got away with it. And nothing happened to him. And how many more women or whoever he's in contact with is he's going to do this to? And that makes you question a lot of things, too. Like, there's a lot of different things you could take from this film. Instead of just, well, there's some aliens, they're, you know, looking around, and that's it. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I thought it was weird that they kind of took the rapist and then tried to almost turn him into a bit of a hero. Yeah. At yeah. The end, because. Up. Yeah, because he. Oh, I didn't get that at all. He tries to rape her, and I mean, she's been killing all these men or whatever. And he tries to rape her, and then finds out that she's this thing, and then comes back and saves the day by killing the creature with fire. So I didn't see it as saving the day. I just saw it as just, uh, you know, uh, anger and fear. I didn't see it as a heroic act at all. Well, his character doesn't know that she did any of this stuff anyway, though, correct? Correct. That's true. So, I mean, really, to his character, as an audience, we see you know perspectives on this, but he's just a rapist. And he basically mm-hmm. yeah. saw what she was, didn't like it, and that could be taken two different ways, and burned her body and ran off. And, I mean, that's the harsh truth of life with a lot of things. So, yeah. there's a lot of different perspectives you could take on this. All I know is the last scene put me off rape for good. <laughs> You're on the are fence. You, are you done with that uh, no. now? Are you free of that? Good for you. Yep. Jesus. No I'm glad, to, glad we picked nice this to one see. to watch. Wow. <laughs> I'll say I never thought a movie where I would see Scarlett Johansson naked would be like, I, it would not be in a sexual tone at all. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, she's obviously a very attractive woman, but... Um, this movie is just so damn terrifying and bleak that it's not even like you don't even see it in a sexual way. At least I don't. But it's no. like I will it, never it watch sort of it again. Me, <laughs> no, it, it's like it's like when I I remember taking a life drawing class in college, and you know mm-hmm. you, you don't think like when on paper it's like oh yeah you know you're gonna draw you know naked women, and then when you get in the class you're just so yeah. focused on making your drawing good and and everything that you don't even think about what you're watching so it's like in that context it's like this nudity is not even sexual at all it's because you're so into this deep story and you know she's she's luring these men in and it's just so damn weird and i don't know it's same. like you're so you're so beyond it at that point that same goes with phil Mankin. you know we have yeah naked people in our movies sometimes and it's never that at all it's always yeah. Now is Ooh. was she sealed down below? Was she Barbie dolled? Is that what the whole sex scene <laughs> was kind of trying to imply? I think so. Because you know they try and have sex, something's not going right. She grabs the lamp and tries to you know take a look at her black widow there, and uh, <laughs> she she finds out that. Uh, uh, so she obviously knows what she's supposed to look like down there, but 
Well, I don't know if she does or not, or is she surprised by what well, she sees? I don't think she would know. I mean, if, is this her first time on Earth, assuming what of what the actual parts are? Like, right, I mean, that, that's how I sort of took it, was that. Yeah. She's only been collecting okay. men, yeah. 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 It's like if if you know you're being penetrated, this is completely foreign. Is this how it's supposed to be? What the fuck is on my what, what's down here? And this mm-hmm. is her first time, kind of well, give or take, opening it up per se right. on the fact of <laughs> becoming more human. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's true. But <laughs> it's fun, uh, fun but night. this is kind of her part of processing kind of human emotion and trying to feel something. And before, all she had to do was make sure they stared at her to get them in that trance and then they were done and she had them and you know i think she's not understanding why it's not working and she's you know maybe just trying to to figure out new things and obviously at that point she's kind of aborted the mission that she was on well if you woke up one day and you had scarlett johansson's body you'd probably put a lamp up and check out your vagina too Mm, indeed discover your ghost in the shell Oh, oh exactly. that's beautiful. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I really enjoyed the uh at the beginning of the movie, just that uh kind of almost found uh I don't know, it's not found footage, but it just the when she's picking up guys on the street. Uh streets of Edinburgh, Scotland, where I I also really enjoyed the uh Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Scotland. I used to live in Edinburgh, Scotland for six months. Um, so it was nice seeing. But more like a home again. movie. It's like it's some the, documentary, right? You're just kind of watching. Yeah. Oh, very much. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Hearts, football, and all that. But uh, but just the interactions. Uh, I think I read where those weren't necessarily planned. Where she's just driving around the streets of Edinburgh and uh, picking up picking up men, and then they agree to be in the movie yeah i've read that too like oh that it's um didn't know that the scenes were improv with reality hidden well some of them obviously camera camera yeah yeah some of them they uh, were set up obviously but it's like in practical jokers but with boobs yes no there's four boobs in that that's true now that guy with the skin condition, he is real, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Yep. yeah. No shit. Yeah, yeah, I read that somewhere. Okay. Poor fella. Yep. yep, he's real and he helped uh arrange the the scene of what uh what she could do to get him to what what would be intriguing to someone of his uh-huh. persuasion. Let wow. write it, yeah. So it's almost more heartbreaking when you know that and you oh, watch. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to go back and watch this again. <laughs> Jason is shaking no his head way. no. <laughs> See, now, yeah. uh, I had talked to Jason before I watched this movie. Sorry. And I think that this was one of those moments where, like, I, the movie had been talked up so much because this movie had such an effect on him that I I, I kind of knew I kind of knew what was coming a little bit and I was looking for more so it kind of fell short for me on that yeah like it didn't it it didn't affect me the way it well, did quit telling me what you're yeah. about to watch <laughs> well I'm not I'm, I'm not I can't hold you. this I'm, in 
That's why I'm here. I know that's oh. that's oh. my bad. I know you can't help yourself. <laughs> See, I assume Mike picked this movie um, because it finally there's finally a popular film out there that meets his erect penis quota. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Not enough. No. Yeah, it wasn't enough. <laughs> Still man. fell short. Still fell a little short. Yeah. This one was a little flaccid. Well, um, yeah, it was. It was cold in there. I'm sure. <laughs> Not that I'm for erect penises in film, but I also thought that it really <laughs> added something to the movie. <laughs> Can we put that on a t-shirt? No, I will cut that out if I have to. But uh, you no, know, I'm, because I, it makes I'm you right uncomfortable. You. you know. Well, it's but not the just fact that it's erect. Yeah, there's three or four of them. Yeah. You're just like, I mean, seeing a, I mean, I'm and I'm all pro, everyone should be showing their stuff if they want to. I'm not saying, you I'm not against. You just to cut them out. I mean, I cut out what I said so that Mike can't put it on oh, group. Oh, my bad. Oh. <laughs> but. I was going to mention there's yeah. two. Don't oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I just. But these aren't just penises; these are erect penises. Well, yeah, well, you don't see, you know, even in a mainstream. I mean, movie. you don't see penises in films a lot as it is. But when there is a penis, it's it's never erect. I think that I think like maybe motion picture, you know, or like rating standards that takes it to a different. Just the fact that it's <laughs> erect takes it to a different level. But the thing is, it's like. There has to be. There. <laughs> did, did I watch a different movie than everybody else? Because I didn't see that. Really? You didn't see penises? Yeah. No, I saw penises, but none, none of them were uh, ready to go. They all were. Were they not? Uh, mm. I don't right? know if that's ready to go. That's not ready to go by my standard. That's yeah, I mean. Uh, I thought <laughs> that's pretty flaccid. On this boner episode of the, <laughs> the killer podcast i was gonna say moving away from the penis conversation just to do that i was gonna say that a couple times it seems like from what i'm reading that after she hears about the family that drowned after receiving flowers from the guy on the street that's kind of the first kind of uh emotion that she seems to be getting um, and then it goes to, um, oh, what is it? Where the Just people it. help the people help her up when she falls, and yeah. she she feels Ooh. that connection. And they they talk about the possibility of maybe the human that she took over, whether it's alien made or just a real human. Maybe there's some connection of human emotions to that body, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's where maybe they. I don't know. Maybe that's where it's connected to. But yeah, the guy with the messed up face has a real twin brother who is also genetically affected, but it's mm. not on his face. He has short-term memory loss, and this is not related to the film in any way, but trivia nonetheless. But uh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting tidbit. She also uh, notices uh, the blood on the flower because uh, the man cut his hand, you know. Yeah, from just, a thorn. You know, yep. Yeah, and just, you know, the you know, the blood and just humanity and people, people hurt. They feel pain, you know, and they're... It really is a perfect discussion piece, though, when it comes down to it with so many things oh, yeah. that go on in this film. It's something that you could really walk away from, and whether you're disturbed or not, 
you could sit there and talk about it for you know a good hour with people and just really just think about life itself. Well, truth be told, the more we you know, the more we keep analyzing it. I mean, I I feel I really want to go back and watch it again. Tell yeah. You the truth. Awesome. Yes. Let's watch it again, Jason. Nope. <laughs> All right. Fine. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Um, Ooh, uh, commentary, Jason. Come on, let's do a <laughs> yes. commentary track on this. <laughs> yes. Keeping in mind that there people out there listening, um, you can make Jason do a commentary track by becoming a Patreon supporter. I'm just saying. Oh. Wait, how much is that tier? <laughs> Go to patreon.com backslash. Um, so honorable mentions. What what are what are some of the other uh, A24 movies you guys really like? Well, I kind of missed out on being able to name my tops there, so... Okay, um, go for it. Uh, uh, Green Room, of course. I, yes. I had absolutely no idea about this movie until listening to the best of uh, the awards episode of Attack of the Killer podcast that year. Mm, yeah. and, just, and just from everybody raving about it, I immediately ordered it. And... Yeah. Was not disappointed. Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. Thank you very much, um, and thank you because then you, yes, then he yeah. made me watch it. Yeah, I immediately told him that he needed to watch yeah, this I... movie. So, see, your podcast does reach people. Aww, it really works. Yes. Yeah, awesome. there's there, there's a ripple effect. Um, but my my favorite of all time. Uh, as far as A24 goes, is easily The Witch. Mm-hmm. I I saw that three times in the theater here in Burlington. <laughs> like, it, it stuck. The second I walked out of that theater, I was bothered really badly by this movie, but I wanted to see it again. Derek, would you say it's the greatest of all time? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a reference to the goat yes it is oh okay <laughs> damn it yeah I missed that one I think I, does anybody and, and maybe this is just because of the, when it took place I had a lot of problems understanding a lot of dialogue that was going on in story and may have missed out on that because it, whether it was it was be, me being in the theater because I only think I watched it once so I kind of watched and I just I'm like I love how they're being authentic with everything, but I can't. I maybe I'm losing some of this, and it was a very, very slow burn. Yeah. And yeah. the oh, beginning is, yeah. though was very great. Like I was just, I was like, oh my gosh, that is creepy. That baby is gone. Like this movie is gonna be just like, it's gonna be scary as crap. And it was, but it was a very slow terror. That that it was a, it was a different change of pace. Like they gave you a little bit of good stuff. And then they kind of trickled it through the movie, you know. I mean, so it. I mean, I enjoyed the movie a lot, but it's definitely a very intriguing film, nonetheless. That's why I watch every movie with subtitles if I can. I just cut down that translation. Yeah, factor. This uh, this movie, it it was the first movie that I had seen since the Blair Witch Project, which I got to see in theaters as well that uh, 
when I left the theater that night, I had a hard time trying to sleep. It it gave me the exact same feeling that I had uh, coming out of the Blair Witch. Just cool. that you didn't want to go to the basement. <laughs> this, yeah, this movie bothered me to the point like I didn't feel like this is something I'm supposed to be watching. <laughs> um, it just, uh, yeah, like it it left me feeling kind of. Oh, I don't know how to describe it other than like dirty but in a good way eh. <laughs> <laughs> like, right this no this this movie is uh, easily in my top 10 horror films of all time and depending upon the day of the week maybe in my top 5 sweet it's just yeah I was curious, has anybody ever, for like just maybe one to two films, just real quick, what's the most uncomfortable you've ever been with a film? Like, what film would that make you uncomfortable? Like, for horror-wise, let's just do horror in general. Serbian film. Oh, I, 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 I haven't yeah. even ventured down that road. Don't, nope. Yeah, don't. I still haven't either. Mm-hmm. Mostly because, yeah, I've heard. Yeah, that's not for me. That, yeah. Nah. I don't think that should be for anybody just from what I've heard. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine come in and he sat a tape recorder down and had me and a friend watch this and he wanted to get our real reactions on it. And I just, it's one of those things that you don't feel good after you watch it. You feel sick. And it's a sick where you're like, I don't want to tell anybody about this because this is just, it's not something that should have been made to begin with. It serves no purpose to a lot of the, from what I've seen, and I just I've never watched it again, and I I would not recommend it to anybody. I can say I'm responsible for Bill Mosley watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Wait, I what? sent I sent a like a bootleg uh, DVD copy to a friend oh, who yeah. is friends with Bill, and he gave it to Bill to watch. And he offered to send it back signed, but I said I did not want it back. (laughs) (laughs) I, for me, um... I'm sorry, what was the Serbian horror film that you guys were talking about? It's just called the Serbian film. film. Oh, son of a bitch. Okay. Just Google it. Or don't. I've I've never... Don't don't read about it, just go ahead and watch it. (laughs) I've never actually... I've never actually seen uh, a Serbian film, and I don't want to. And I've never seen like the Human Centipede or anything like that. Yeah, but, I haven't seen uh, that either. Human Centipede no, is the, is nothing. It's right. It's, it's all it's all reliant a on a yeah. It's all oh, okay. reliant on a single concept, and that's it. Like the most the most I, disgusting thing in that movie is there's a scene where like. One shits into the other person's mouth, but it's all reaction. There's no, you know, you don't see shit going mm-hmm. into somebody's mouth or anything. I hear you. Which it's, I'm okay with. I hate that. that. <laughs> I hate that series. The, way too much hype the for two what films. It is. The two films for me that were hard watches and really kind of put me off. Uh, and I could probably watch them again. Uh, one would be Itchy the Killer, Woo. Uh, the Takashi. That's that's uh, that's that's yeah. brutal. 
Um, and I also have seen. Um, um, I, I, it's got like two titles: uh, "120 Days" or "Sodom." Oh yes, Sailor uh, yeah. "120 Days of Sodom." Yeah. Yes. That movie's yes, fucked up yes. too. And yeah. That. Yeah, I yeah I have no desire to ever see that again. That's that that was just too much. That's nah. That's that that just doesn't really have any redeeming value for me at all. Those oh, are my. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm done. Oh, I ruined it. <laughs> well, has I anybody would... seen the Last Exorcist? Nope. Yeah, oh, the yeah. Last Exorcism. It's like the Last Exorcism. I think it is. Yeah. Produced by that Eli Roth. Movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. That the ending of that. How uncomfortable that is as a viewer to walk into that as he did. If you guys remember watching like the witchcraft going you know it's it's weird it's it's just like getting to see something behind you know where you're just looking behind some leaves and you're looking at the seance and really being there in that moment that's definitely one of those films that really made me just cringe watching that i was going to call back to requiem for a dream there's that teeth fucking grinding shit that i can't Oh, Dude, that whole movie, the whole man. movie, the whole movie—it's not just a disturbs moment. me to my core. It is. Ass oh, we got ass. a winner. We got a winner. I also thought Black Swan was up there. It was, it was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But where she uh, pulls like the hangnail type, like the little fuck. skin on her finger. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. Anybody see the Kill List? Nope. Yeah, no, that's another know. film that I was kind of cringy about, like towards the end. It's I'm I don't know if it's just witchcraft in general that kind of creeps me the hell out, but <laughs> both of those did it to me. But it not cringe like that, you know, what we've talked about more just like make you really uncomfortable to the point where I would obviously suggest most of the, both of these movies because they were solid films, but just the effect of like I don't want to be here right now sort of feeling. Well, for me, I pretty much said it earlier. You know, the two big ones are Requiem for a Dream and Martyrs. Uh, but then there's also this uh, film. It gets lumped into horror, but I don't know what you'd really classify it as. But it it's called Man uh, Man Behind the Sun. Mm. And, um, it's basically yeah. about this uh, this Japanese concentration camp, and they do all these experiments on the prisoners. Mm. And it's is that the? I think I've heard you talk about this one. Yeah, the is that the explosion. one? Yeah. Yep. Yep. There yep. it is. Yeah. Um, and and that's all it is. I, I don't even know if there's. I don't think there's any even story to it. If I remember right, it's just literally going from one torture scene to the next. Like they have this. They have this woman who. Um, it's in this ice room, or maybe it's outside in the winter, or something like that. They. They have a, this metal pole, and the woman's arms are stuck to the pole because it's so cold. And they just continually, for hours, are pouring ice water on top of on top of her arms, and mm. to the point where it's just like pure ice and these icicles hanging down. And then somebody walks up with just like a knife and and goes shoot shoot on the top of the uh, top of the ice and just literally rips rips flesh and muscle and everything right off of the right off of the bone 
and this wow. woman's alive when when it's when they're doing it. And then, and then, and then, yes, there's the decomp- there's the decompression chamber, where they show like man's innards getting shot out his asshole. <laughs> I'm laughing Disturbing. just at Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it, it's yeah, it's funny sounding, but and <laughs> but and obviously all that's fake. But then there's <laughs> they didn't do it for real. Well, the, 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 it's presented my, my point being, there is, it's got one of those, much like, you know, the Italian horror, horror you know, cannibal films of the 70s. Where they um, killed all the animals. There's a, there's an mm. animal torture scene mm-hmm. that is, I in my opinion, worse than anything you've seen in an Italian horror film. Um, it's a room full of starved rats, and they throw a live cat inside oh, yeah. the room of rats. No. Oh. Now I don't know. Maybe what movie? What movie is this? So I can make sure to avoid it for the rest of my life. It's called Man Behind the Sun. Oh, Man. oh, okay. That was the same one. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. And uh, and I don't know. I have to go back and watch it. Maybe they faked it all. Um, I just I remember at the time I thought it. I thought they really did that to that cat. I might be wrong, but I don't know. Mine's going to be a cheat. Mine's not a horror film. Uh, mine is uh, Son of Saul, the uh, World War II uh, concentration camp drama that was, I forget if it won Best Foreign Film or uh, or if it was just nominated, but uh, it's about a guy that works at a, uh, well, works. <laughs> it's about a Jewish guy at a concentration camp uh, that helps ushered the other people in from the uh, from the train into the uh, into the gas chambers and then into the crematorium and for whatever reason he decides that he's going to help this other guy find the corpse of his son so they can give it a proper Jewish burial it's it's a wonderful film everybody should see it but it just heavy yeah heavy Mm. and just gave me that it's rough (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it's really well done. I would, uh, like I said earlier, uh, Requiem for a Dream and uh, Martyrs. I had a roommate at one point back when I was like 21, 22. That guy would watch, oh, you guys know him, Peter Fintel. Mm-hmm. The guy that owned the comp, he would watch oh, Requiem yeah. for a Dream. Yeah, he would watch Requiem for a Dream like three, four times a week. What? <laughs> and I, I, oh, couldn't understand that. No, but, I don't um, get that at all. Yeah. Um, Ant- Antichrist, that one Ooh, really bothered there you go. me. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That one really affected me. And... I don't think I'm, anybody else here will know this one except for maybe you, Mike. Um, August Underground's Mortem. Yeah, oh, yeah. Watch that yeah. one. Oh, okay. I've heard of it. Isn't there like three of them in that series or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, back when I was younger and trying to be edgy <laughs> and own all the most disturbing horror films of all time, I ordered that one. 
and watched it, and I'm like, ah, there's just no reason this movie should have been made. Nobody should yeah. watch this. Yeah. I don't think I want to be the person I think I want to be. <laughs> um, one night you were working at Hot Topic. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> that when you were working at Hot Topic? Oh, uh, no, that was after that. That was after that. But, but I thank you for bringing that up, Aaron, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Yes, uh, when I was 20 years old, I was the assistant manager of Hot Topic in Coralville. Man, you get a lot of sweet Funko Pops that way. Oh, <laughs> those didn't <laughs> exist then. I know, it's a dream. That <laughs> <laughs> you dream every day. I do. I would love to work there, just take all the good pops and be an asshole. <laughs> what about the guinea pig films? Yeah, I thought about bringing those up, but I. They're. they're Charlie. They're gross and pointless for sure, but uh, some of them just seem so fake looking too. Though I, I well, Charlie Sheen was a little must have been a little coked up because he actually contacted the authorities because he yeah. thought it was like an actual snuff film. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a movie called In the Glass Cage again. I don't know if I'd call it horror, but somehow it still gets lumped into the genre. Uh, it's a film about this. Uh, this this little boy who's um, abu- abused physically and sexually by this uh, um, by this Nazi in this Nazi uh, concentration camp, and then flash forward years later, this Nazi general is confined to an iron lung, and um, they hire this young this young man to take care of him, and it happens to be that boy. So it's Ooh. kind of the kind of a re- sicko revenge flick. So, hmm. honorable mentions, huh? Oh yeah, honorable mentions for a twenty-four, <laughs> and not just effed up movies. Anybody else got any? Well, Lady Bird kicked ass, of course. Yeah, Room. Last movie star was badass. Super good. Super cry. I just watched Lean on Pete the other day. Yeah, that was pretty good. Disaster Artist. Woo! A Ghost Story is fucking beautiful. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I gotta go with Green Room and uh, The Witch. Black Coat's Daughter was another yes. slow burn fucked up fucker. Ex Machina. Oh, so Ex good. Ex Machina, yes. Oh, yeah. Excellent yeah. film. Excellent film. Pretty film. De Palma. Yeah, yeah, De Palma is such a good dog. I mean, well, I'm just a De Palma fan in general, so. Baby Hitchcock. Yeah. The Spectacular Now. Morris from America is really funny. Yeah. There's no love for Tusk in this room? Oh, I, absolutely. I, I like Tusk up Tusk, until yeah. Johnny Depp yeah. is on screen. <laughs> we won't get into we won't get into that because we could talk for another hour. I'd say we uh, move on. Yeah, right. I, I I played Tusk in the background while uh, during the beginning of this episode, and now I've uh, gone on to yoga hosers. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> I know. This is my second time, and I I thought I'd give it another shot, and I shouldn't have. Hey, it it played in Burlington. I know, I know. I walked past the theater like two days after it was going to be there, and I was so disappointed that I'd missed it. 
And now I'm so happy that I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably um, get moving on. It's getting late. So let's uh, take a break. When we come back, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. We're back. It's segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. As we always do, we start off with shout outs. It's time for shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. All right, just ask what your favorite A24 horror films were. They've been killing it on Facebook. We got Jacob McLaughlin says, The Witch is far and away my favorite of theirs. I haven't seen a modern horror movie so unsettling in the way this one is. I'll even go as far as saying it's one of the best horror films of the decade. Totally agree, Jacob. So does Derek. Our pal Tim Lennerer. You know, Tim. Tim! Yep, he's on a podcast. Yep. He's pretty cool. PFPN.com. Okay, uh, <laughs> he says, Green Room! Woo! For having amazing performances all around. Subtle and obvious ways to show Patrick Stewart's master manipulator working his will and causing deaths of allies and enemies alike. The most viscerally awful trauma to a dude's arm I've ever seen. Oh. And, a, and, a, and a punk band deciding to yeah. make friends and influence people in a skinhead bar by starting their set with the dead Kennedys, Nazi punks, fuck off. Oh, as soon as they started playing it, I'm like, what are you doing? This isn't going to get any better. <laughs> and then she forgot her phone and ruined the whole movie. Yep. Okay. Up next, we got Gavin R.R. Smith says, going to go with one of their lesser-known releases and say, The Monster. The generic title probably hurt its chances with most audiences, but the film itself is a wonderful character study of a troubled relationship between mother and daughter, that also featured a really cool man-in-suit monster eating people. Yeah, it's no secret. I hate I hate one-name titles like that. I mean, because how many movies have the title "Monster" for the title? But that's the that's what that's the movie. And I know, and it's but too bad a though. Multi-layer. Can we get like a? Can we do better with our titles, please? I feel it's like it's a good title. It feels like lazy titling. Brian McNeil says, Tusk, Mississippi Grind, and 8th Grade. I saw 8th Grade, and it was fantastic. Is it horror? No. Oh, okay. It's not at all. Okay. It's about some kids in 8th Grade. Well, see, I I just have to double-check on some of these, because I don't know. Yeah. But it's also really good. Bo Burnham, you like him and his comedy stylings. I do like Bo Burnham and and his comedy stylings. Yep. And then over on the Twitter, 
We got Nightmare Junkhead. They say, under the skin stayed with me for many days after viewing it. Did it get under his skin? Stop it. The cinematography, the score, all combined to make it a challenging and rewarding viewing experience. Not sure about rewarding. (laughs) If you you were wanting, if you were setting out looking for nightmares, it (laughs) rewarded you. Up next, we got Night of the Living Dead, Elegy. Say, uh, none. Slow burn art that ends up nothing more than a dumpster fire. I think they sedated Gabriel Byrne and held Tony Collette's loved ones hostage to get them to sign on to Hereditary. Oh, shit. Bold statement. (laughs) We got to get them on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see. Oh, they're at of underscore elegy. Yep. Okay, going back. And then lastly on Twitter, we got P-O-T-U for M-O-T-U. Says The Witch. It comes at night and hereditary so far. And then over on Instagram, we got Counting Cook says The Black Coat's Daughter for me. That movie creeped me out. You need to see it, Mike. It's too slow for you. Probably. So good. Probably. I was a little worried about Hereditary starting out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I I just kept telling myself, please don't watch it too late at night because you are going to fall asleep because you always do. Whatever. I I one more quick thing. I also liked. I don't know if you guys talked about it when I stepped away, but I liked a lot of the um, the way the shots were composed to look like those those dioramas she built. Yeah. Like all the rooms and there was always at least one wide shot, a uh, wide, high angled shot looking down of of the rooms in the house. That it took me a moment. I'm like, is this one of the dioramas or? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, we talked about that. Oh, we'll find. Yeah, that's <laughs> really cool. Really cool effect. I completely agree with. <laughs> and then lastly, we got uh, Super Tuesday Thriller Club. They're a film podcast based in Boston. They said, The killing of a sacred deer sparked a lot of arguing between us two, and for that, I give it props. Thanks for all the has awesome anybody else seen that? Outs. I know Derek Yeah, has. I have. Sorry. I loved it, too. Okay. It was another, yeah. like, what the fuck's going on? Oh, my God. And then, crazy fucking ending. So good. That's what happens. And it even has Colin Fuckface in it. And I don't really like him much. Feral. Wow. Right. That's just my nickname for him. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. But he was really good. The whole, yeah. And that was the first time I realized Alicia Silverstone wasn't dead. <laughs> that's, that's Ted's TV movie girlfriend. Stop it. I knew she was dead because she was in the she was the mom in the last Wimpy Kid movie. So. Oh. And yes, I've seen it. Okay, well, thanks for all your comments on the shout-outs. You can also, that's not all, you can also call in and leave a voicemail. What? Yeah, and then we'll play that voicemail on the show. Pretty neat, huh? That's very cool. Yeah. Well, How do you do that? To do that, all you got to do is call 415-952-6857, or to make it easier for you to remember, 415-95-AOTKP. That is easier to remember. You bet it is. What was it again? Stop it. And that's shout-outs. 
Well, that's not all, folks. We're not done yet. Home stretch. It is everybody's actual favorite segment, and you know it is, because they're like, what fucked up movies Mike going to talk about this time? It's Insane's Picks. <laughs> What fucked up movie indeed. Um, so, uh, Jason's probably mad at me right now because I put a crap ton of, well, crap movies in his watch list on I um, noticed. Amazon. It's on my list to talk to you about later. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was doing, I was going down to Deep Well trying to find some crazy shit to watch um, for... In Saints Picks. It was work for the show. Anyway, um, so I decided, um, I found one that seemed interesting. I, I went to check it out. It's called Mutant War from 1988. And when I started watching it, it seemed kind of fairly familiar to, with, uh, to me. Um, not that I had seen the movie before, but uh, uh, it just kind of reminded me of some other films. And then I noticed it's directed by Brett Piper. Uh, for those who don't know, Brett Piper um, has directed such films as Galaxy Destroyer, uh, A Nymphoid Barbarian, and Dinosaur Hell. Uh, I know him from They Bite and Draniac, uh, like Bite Me and Shockorama, which those last two yeah. were um, done for alternative for the alternative cinema label back in the day, a DVD label that had like three or four subsidiaries. One of them was like Seductive Cinema that did like <coughs> the Erotic Witch Project and garbage like that. Uh, Playmate of the Apes. Uh, anyway, so this movie, Mutant War, it's a sequel to Galaxy Destroyer, apparently. Uh, character Harry Trent wanders a post-apocalyptic world full of mutants and monsters. Uh, he helps a young girl rescue her sisters from a madman. Played by Cameron Mitchell. So, of course, I saw Cameron Mitchell's name attached to this. I had to check it out. <clears throat> um, and Cameron Mitchell, he's got his army of, of crazy mutants uh, that are all poorly dubbed ADR, have poorly dubbed ADR. Um, Brett Piper also, he, he does effects. He's done effects um, a lot of his, on a lot of his own movies and his laws, as well as a lot of other people's movies. But he's definitely... As a filmmaker, you could tell he's a fan of old-school uh, forms of special effects, especially classic stop-motion. Uh, all of his movies um, uh, are just are filled with outrageous creatures and concepts, and, and a lot of times done uh, stop-motion. If it's not a guy in a rubber suit, it's it's done stop-motion. And the thing is, it's like, you know, you think some, like, you know, shitty na film, 1988, with um, no budget, nobody's ever heard of. It's going to have some pretty crappy um, effects in it. But the stop motion in his movies are actually done fairly well. Now, we're not talking Ray Harryhausen or anything like that, but in this movie, there's several scenes, like right off the bat, like I'm sucked in because within the first three minutes of this movie, all of a sudden our hero is confronted by this, like, giant four-legged creature that's attacking him, and it's it's trying to stomp him out with its tail, 
So they do a they do a really good job of composing the stop motion creature with the with the background of um, of this uh, landscape, cutting away to the actor with this like giant ha half giant monster tail that they've built that actually you know matches the stop motion tail and movement and color and and texture. Um, so it it feels pretty flawless considering what we're watching here. And the the only thing is, it's like most of his creature designs have a have a far more of a of a '50s monster look, or maybe a bit more of a cartoonish design to them, which is fine by me because that's the stuff I love as well. Um, give me that, give me that kind of stuff any old day. So, um, it's it's got some it's got some funny parts, some silly goofiness in it. Uh, that that's fun. Um, considering what we're watching, the acting isn't isn't terrible. It's serviceable. Uh, again, um, I thought I thought it was shot fairly well. You really get a feel for this post-apocalyptic world. Um, um, and yeah, and you know, it's not reinventing the wheel or anything. Uh, mostly stick around for the for the monsters more than anything else, but. Uh, but it's it's a pretty fun ride, and it's it's not a huge commitment. So I think it was only like 86 minutes long. So um, yeah, so I had a lot of fun with it. Now I kind of want to go back and watch Galaxy Destroyer, and I think I might actually start. Sometimes I get on a kick about certain directors, um, especially more obscure directors, and I kind of want to I get obsessed with their filmography and want to um, absorb it all and collect it all. So I think Brett Piper might be the next on my list. I kind of always wrote him off as that guy who put um, Misty Misty Monday in all of his movies, but uh, but you know that's just the crap he worked on with alternative cinema. So yeah, give give Coffin Joe a break. Move on to someone else. <laughs> I have been I have been obsessed again here of late with Coffin Joe again. Um, wanting to find more of his, uh, some more of his stuff outside of the uh, the Coffin Joe trilogy. What's this guy's name again? Uh, Brett Piper is his name. So, okay. but Mutant War, it's free on Amazon. Um, so check it out. It's it's a lot of fun. So. Yay! Yay! Fun stuff is fun. Fun stuff is fun. Anyway, so that's that's it. That's this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Um, I want to thank everybody on the show, um, but there's so many people it would take too long to, to name you all, so <laughs> thanks everybody for being on. So good. So very thanks awesome. Thanks again for having us. Woo! Yeah. Thank you. Anytime, man. Anytime you're welcome to be on the show. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Um, thank oh, yeah. you for listening and to our nonsense and supporting the show. We really appreciate it. Um, and if you want to sh support the show even more, uh, become a Patreon supporter and get a, a lot of extra other cool content. For as little as $1 a month. As little as $1 a month. And I know we push our Patreon pretty hard. Um, and you know, for me, especially of late, after, after going through and adding so much extra content, it's really not about the money per se anymore. Right. Um, for me, although that stuff does help the show, it really, it helps really, Jason's really does. Wallet. It helps Jason's wallet because yeah. this poor guy ends up, when expenses comes up, um, he ends up being uh, the guy who has to has to shell it out. So um, let's let's give him a break, you know. <laughs> but 
Yes, making the content is But making fun. the content has been a lot of fun for me. And as a, a filmmaker, a podcaster, uh, all, the, all the creative content that I do, um, half of the enjoyment of, of creating content is getting to, for me anyway, is getting to share that with others. And it bugs me that uh, sometimes this extra content is just going to sit there without people seeing it or experiencing it. And, and I'm pretty proud of, of the stuff that we've done with uh, the videos, the bonus uh, episodes, um, um, the one-minute top ten list, uh, all that stuff. So um, we put some work into that stuff, and we're all pretty proud of it. And just more than anything else, we sure want people to, to see it. it. So, so yeah. So please, please check out um, Patreon and, and support us that way as well. Uh, so you so you can experience that content. It, it would mean a lot. So anyway, enough of that crap. I talk about the Patreon shit enough. So check out all A twenty four's movies. Like Dad right. said, they haven't missed one yet. They're fucking awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Word. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Slice looks fucking awesome. It's coming out. That's the new trailer. Right. That looks amazing. Yep. I'll have to check it out. I, don't, oh, I hadn't dude. even heard of that one. When you when you say slice, I instantly went to that other one that came out what yeah. seven eight years ago, something like that. Splice. splice. Oh, that's splice. That's right. Uh-huh. Sorry. This is like a piece. Yeah, of I was pizza. excited for that one, and it was a bummer. Yeah, it was all right. Anyway, so that's the show. <laughs> Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode of Attack on the Killer Podcast. It went three different ways. I know. I thought there'd be like a steak sauce way out on that one. Uh, I didn't get a chance to write out a steak sauce. Um, outro. He marinated it enough. Oh. <laughs> I'll leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Could this be the end of? <laughs> Tag of the killer.